Stay the Same is back with something a little bit different, something we've never done before. This is a retrospective on one of my favorite series, F-Zero. So, I couldn't do this alone, so I have a guest with me. Tanner, welcome back to the show. Hey, good to be back. I've got boost power. <laughs> I, I can only think of that or uh, show me your moves, and that's not even from the actual mainline F-Zero game. As F-Zero fans, we have to talk about spinoffs. That's just the way it goes with this series. But yeah, F-Zero mm-hmm. is a series that is something that has been around for me for a very long time and means a lot to me so it'll be i wanted to do something like this to kind of celebrate f-zero sort of coming back with f-zero 99 just a month ago and so now's the time to like celebrate the series while it's still sort of in the limelight again yeah also i I think i mentioned this when we were talking about it technically not technically, it just is. This is also the 20th anniversary of F-Zero GX, which we won't be talking about in this episode since it's the first part, but I think most fans would agree is the peak of the series. Oh, peak racing game in general, for sure. So, Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to softball it in. I want to get some of these Gran Turismo freaks. Did you know a gamer <laughs> can become a racer, by the way? I didn't know that, and then I, I saw the poster for the movie. I didn't see the movie, but I saw the poster for the movie. You mean the one they changed the title to include based on a true story? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's very, and I don't know if it's true, but it's it's admirable that I can see myself on screen. I can see a gamer become a racer. I do not give a shit about Gran Turismo. (laughs) No. Maybe F-Zero would do like a Last Starfighter thing where if you complete all the courses on the highest difficulty, then you'll be recruited into doing actual death races. Oh, dude, that would be... Like, I fantasize about that at least once every two weeks. I want Captain <laughs> Which... Falcon to take my hand. I hear that fucking Nickelback, there goes my hero, as he, like, hoists me like a, like a bride on the wedding day. Look, we'll, we'll get into it. An AMV of Captain Falcon to Nickelback's, um, to Foo Fighters, my hero. Actually sounds Foo Fighters, sorry, I apologize yeah. to Foo Fighters. How, how dare you? conflate the two uh you're it's thinking almost of, like nickelback isn't as bad you're thinking as of the say. nickelback song from spider-man 2 well a hero could save yes. us not save gonna, us We're not gonna stand in your way i mean that song also low-key slaps but this entire spider-man 2 yeah, but forget the f-zero thing we're just gonna do bad nickelback and foo fighters impressions yeah uh, for is, for what? most of the episode this is what you wanted when you clicked on F-Zero Retrospective Part yes. 1. Yes, all right. F-Zero, cool game. I'm a bad podcast host, so let me introduce myself. Hi, I'm Michael. We, this is Stay of the Save, typically a uh, game club style show, but we wanted to do something different this time because, uh, as I mentioned before, F-Zero is a series that means a lot to me and Tanner, so it's our chance to kind of go through the history of why we love this series so much and a chance to like gush and reminisce about my favorite racing series in general. So, Tanner, uh, let's get started with what brings you to F-Zero? What was your introduction into this series? I think it's not going to surprise you that my introduction was Super Smash Brothers for the Nintendo 64. Um, I didn't even own a copy. I rented a copy uh, from Blockbuster, which, by the way, is one of the 
best covers of all time is the uh, Smash N64 cover because it just has Mario and Pikachu fighting. And my six-year-old brain was like, what the fuck is this? And, you know, there's all these... Samus is just in the background. There's so much happening. Yeah, so you've got you got Mario. Okay, know him. Pikachu, Kirby, uh, Donkey Kong. And I didn't know, like, Link yet. I didn't know Samus yet. But then one of them was like, the hell is Captain Falcon? And then I think I turned it in and I rented one that, like, didn't have him unlocked yet. Like, it was a different cartridge. Uh and I, it had this weird air of mystery to it, especially because he didn't have a stage. So my introduction was the same as a lot of people's. It was Falcon Punch. It was none of the actual racing stuff. But it did inspire, like, I, I can't describe how important Super Smash Brothers is to me, like, wanting to know what all of these things were. So when Melee comes out, again, still haven't played an F-Zero game, I am learning about F-Zero through the trophies and the stages, and I'm reading every single trophy description. Uh, so I'm learning who, like, Samurai Goro is, who George, Jody Summers is. I'm learning all these things. Uh, and there, I remember even one of them is, like, the stage where you're on Captain Falcon's ship. It even says, like, yeah, this wasn't actually in the game. This was, like, in the instruction manual. And I'm like, what? We're, like, what is what is this game? And finally, <laughs> I played my first F-Zero with F-Zero GX. And it was basically... It wasn't love at first sight, though, because I did the story, and as we'll talk about when we get to it in part two, that game is very difficult, and yes. I sort of had to grow to love it. Um, but I, yeah. That's, I think that's where I am with GX. Yeah, and, and so I did grow to love it, but also I was watching the Kirby cartoon on uh, Foxbox at the time. It would, it would later become Four Kids, uh, and there was a commercial for an F-Zero show. Because I again I like I kind of knew some of the F Zero stuff, and I specifically just saw Captain Falcon, and I'm like I have to watch this show, so I did. I was eagerly anticipating like all like twelve episodes that got dubbed and aired in the U S once basically, but I was enthralled, even though it's not like great or my memory isn't great, but I was fascinated by the series, and then finally because uh, I encountered all these games at weird points. When the Wii came out, the Virtual Console was a big thing. I think people forget how cool the Virtual Console was at the time. So all these games that I had heard about through Smash Brothers Melee trophy descriptions, I could now play, um, and not through like a ROM or something. Like I could just download them on Nintendo's thing. I went to someone else's house because our internet wasn't good enough for Nintendo Wi-Fi. I had to go take my Wii and take it to someone else's house. And I, I remember I got three games, but I don't remember what the third was. I got Legend of Zelda for the NES. Again, that was one where I'm like, well, I have to play this. Um, F-Zero for Super Nintendo. And damn it, I cannot remember what the third one is. But yeah, I got those three games. And F-Zero was actually what I was kind of addicted to. And so I, even then I developed a fondness for the uh, SNES F-Zero. And then, of course, later I would play F-Zero X Maximum Velocity. Oh, and I did play the GP Legend game, I should mention. <laughs> so yeah that's my dissertation yeah so you kind of uh jumped into the series late late quote-unquote with uh the gamecube and everything before mm -hmm. yeah that, i did not so. do x on 64 despite having a 64 yeah i my um history with f-zero may line up a little bit similar to yours but with uh a caveat. So I did play F-Zero before Smash Brothers. I had a Super Nintendo, but I didn't have it on the Super Nintendo. 
before I got my Super Nintendo, pretty late into the life cycle. I want to say like 97, 98. So after the Nintendo 64 had already come out, I was a Genesis kid growing mm-hmm. up and got a Super Nintendo really late. So, uh, but before that, my family went on a vacation to Orlando, Florida, where we stayed at a um, hotel that had one of those um, Super Nintendo controllers connected to the TV. (laughs) Yeah, I remember these. So it was a really rainy day, and they uh, were just like, all right, we'll pay pay for you to... uh, play for a couple hours of this game system. So it was a new game system I never heard of. That's where I got my first taste of, like, Super Mario World. Uh, played Final Fight on there for a little bit and was kind of interested in, like, games like that. But then I played a little bit of F-Zero. I don't think I made it past, like, the first or second race, but I remember thinking it was, like, really cool. And then, by the time I got Smash Brothers for the 64 and saw Captain Falcon in and everything, it was like a... Um, being like, he looks like a racer. Is he connected to, is he connected to that, like, one racing game thing? And eventually connecting the dots and being like, oh, he's from this, like, racing series. And then after Smash Brothers Melee came out and really falling in love with that, falling in love with Captain Falcon as a character because he's really fast, his stages are really awesome with, like, fighting on the racetracks and everything, wanting to get F-Zero GX and then... F-Zero GX was a bit of... It was a game I desperately tried to love at the time. But being, like, tough as nails difficult. Um, but I love the aesthetic of it. I love the music in it. I love, like, the races and the racers. I would was more interested reading the instruction book and getting, like, the lore and the sense of all the characters and their, like, connections to each other via the, like, instruction book. And it wasn't until, like, years later, just, like, a few years ago, when all of a sudden I had the urge to go back to F-Zero GX for some reason. May have just been, like, nostalgia. I had just got a, found, like, a $50 GameCube at a Goodwill that had the Game Boy player attached to it. Ooh, wow, no kidding. Yeah. Damn, dude. 50 bucks a few years ago for all that. And then it was like, what were, what were my favorite GameCube games? And for some reason, F-Zero GX was in my head, being like... Man, that game was frustrating, but I remember thinking it was really cool. Then playing it again, falling in love with it in near instantaneously. Uh, for some reason, revisiting it years later, everything just clicked. I, that game might have been like ahead of its time for some reason. Absolutely fell in love with GX again. And then every time uh, F-Zero came to the Switch again, I would just be all in for it, F-Zero and uh, F-Zero X, especially being really great games. I actually remember back in like college emulating F-Zero X and loving that too. So it's just been like me dipping in and out of the series for so long to the point where now I've played a lot of it over the years and I'm really grown to love the series. Yeah, I think it's it's funny that this series does, despite being a niche a niche series, has a lot of different entry points. Because yes. it's, all right, I wouldn't say a lot, but you do have, you could be, you know, the the original Super Nintendo F-Zero is very striking. 
Like 1991, that is a striking looking game. Yes. Uh, you might have picked it up, or you might have picked up F Zero X because it was a multiplayer racing game on the N64, the same system that had Mario Kart and Diddy Kong Racing, which are also like classic multiplayer racing games. Uh, obviously, Smash Brothers. There is an anime, even if it wasn't like watched too much. And then there's the GameCube, like critically adored, or at least um, fan adored one. And then, of course, it drops off, as you know, we'll get to as we go on. But. There was a 15-year period where it was like, there was F-Zero stuff consistently. It follows a similar path to Metroid, where in the early 2000s, it was just peak. Nintendo was absolutely paying attention to the series, and then it dropped Mm -hmm. off. Whereas Metroid, eventually, as of a few years ago, found its way back into mainstream Nintendo. Uh, F-Zero's kind of just been long dormant and forgotten. Very much so. Uh... Although, uh, obviously, like, we've learned through, like, developer interviews, there have been several attempts to, like, get a new F-Zero off the ground. During the Wii U days, famously, I think, um, not the Gran Turismo people, I forget what burnout racing game people were. Burnout, thank you. They actually were offered, like, would you like to uh, make a new F-Zero game? And then, if you read, like, the conditions were not going to work. They were like, we can't do it in the amount of time you want. But that was a moment, I remember, that was, like a drop of water in a fucking desert. It was just, oh my god, there is hope, because Nintendo at one point asked them, and by the way, you know, to be clear, they were also clear, like, it was not a full game. They were like, can you just do a demo? We want to see if we even want to do this. Yeah. Um, But, like, it is kind of wild, you know, you point out Metroid. For all the drought we had for Metroid after Other M in particular, like, (laughs) between 2002 and 2007, we had so many Metroid games compared to now. You had, to the point where you, we, we had a pinball game. We had a Metroid spinoff pinball game. That was the level we were at. Um, and I will say F-Zero never had that. I do wish we had gotten like a Captain Falcon character action game. Like in the vein of like a Devil May Cry or a Platinum type game. I'm still hoping for that. Man, one day, please God, yeah. But also I think that says something that so much of the fan love for the game comes out of... You know, there's that great, uh, I think it's Hard Drive, has that article where the headline is, you know, a huge Earthbound fan excited to finally play the game for the first time. <laughs> and I do think there's a, li- which is, uh, it's, it sums it up perfectly, by the way. Yes. I'm a huge Earthbound fan having beaten it multiple times. But it's 100% true that, like, I didn't even, I just knew about Earthbound, like, way before I had played it because of the internet, because of uh, fan communities. Mm-hmm. And I do think F-Zero doesn't have as passionate or as large of a base. Maybe the thing is, it is as passionate. I think that, like, the people who love F-Zero love F-Zero. Even attempts to do an F-Zero-like just really haven't taken on. No offense to those uh, attempts. But there's not a lot like... And we've all tried our... We all we've all have tried a handful of those, being like, maybe this will be the one! Yeah, everyone's like, will this be the one? Because, you know, Nintendo brings Metroid back after everyone adapts to, like, Metroid being the dominant, uh, uh, like, basis blueprint for most side-scrolling indie games. <laughs> and it, that really hasn't happened with F-Zero. None of the... Like, we haven't gotten... I suppose we've had certain games that tried to be the Mighty Number no. 9 or Ukulele of F-Zero. But first off, just the, the fact that I named those two, I think, says how how well projects like this have gone. You know, most games... Most spiritual successors are like that, and not like a, a Bloodstain, which I've heard is very good. But... I think something for me with F-Zero that you've hinted at, because you were talking about like reading like the manuals or the character bios, there's something about the aesthetics to F-Zero in particular. And I yes. don't think it was... This is that kind of thing that you couldn't really design in a lab. This came from like 
just weird 90s shit that then evolved into weird early 2000s shit influenced by like every piece of sci-fi under the sun and it's it's wild yeah it's sci-fi superhero heavy metal rolled into a well, racing I, I was about game. to say like i don't know i don't know if they've confirmed it but to me because there's, you know, uh, we'll talk about that great interview where F-Zero has an influence that I absolutely did not see coming that you showed yeah. me where I'm like, that is the last movie I would have predicted to like define F-Zero. <laughs> but I thought for sure it's like, oh, this, you can't talk about F-Zero without But it talk- makes so much sense. I know. When it, you said it, I was like, oh, okay. But, um, you know, I in my mind, it was like, oh, you can't talk about F-Zero without talking about Speed Racer and Death Race 2000, which are like, and if I were to give a quick like airplane summary, I would put those two together. It's like... Okay, what if, like, fun, col- colorful racers and colorful cars, but also, like, actual danger, which is... Have you ever seen Death Race 2000? I have not. It's maybe... Of the ones I've seen, it's probably the best Roger Corman movie. It is... It's basically, like, a countrywide race where anybody who's on the track can get killed. It's, like, one of those where it's, like, it's the future and the evil corporation um, has this horrific form of entertainment to keep the populace subdued. Uh but unlike Rollerball, it's actually really good. Like, Death Race 2000 fucking rips. If you ever get a chance to watch it, I really recommend it. And I do think that if you watch it, you'll be like, oh, this has to be where F-Zero comes from, right? But it's not, at least not in any interview that I could find. That's true. So let's, with that in mind, let's figure out where F-Zero does come from. We're going to start with the history of F-Zero leading up to F-Zero before we talk about the actual game. So before F-Zero, there was a game called... Mock Rider. Nintendo has since made a lot of allusions and references, mostly in Smash Brothers, to Mock Rider. So it's probably a game most of you have heard of without actually being seen. But it was released in 1985, developed by HAL Labs. Uh, what we know is F-Zero would begin here from Nintendo. So uh, it was a behind-the-car perspective, a futuristic setting, and a superhero-style-looking main character. And whereas um, F-Zero is kind of like this um, futuristic, almost um, Star Trek-y style future, uh, Mach Rider is very much like a Mad Max style future. Like on the ground, mm-hmm. uh, motorcycles attached with guns. And um, I don't, if I'm correct, it wasn't more of like a race. It was mostly just like get it from a point A to point B type of game. I believe so. I don't think there were other racers. Although, by the way, like you said, it's definitely Mad Max influenced. I do. I, Death Race 2000 has to be somewhere in the state DNA. I refuse to believe that no part of F-Zero comes from Death Race 2000. <laughs> but I, I definitely will say, like, I see more of a Mad Max design in the literal, like, the, the Mach Rider is posed like Mad Max. Like, it's kind of blatant actually how much this is supposed to be calling to mad max sawed off shotgun in his hand like standing in front of his motorcycle yeah. yeah but um also i think there's like a fan thing that like oh what if mock rider is a woman which is cool but i don't think there's any basis for that other than wouldn't it be cool wouldn't it be cool if yes Just want to throw that out be. there female rock mock rider sounds yeah. kind of awesome actually Oh, I think that's great. I just It's funny that yeah. I'm like, I don't think there's any basis for it. It's just that everyone thought it would be cool. And I'm like, I agree. Do it. And next we have <laughs> on the NES or the Famicom. Famicom Grand Prix 1 and 2, this series of games. So Famicom Grand Prix 1 was a racing game with an overhead perspective uh, released exclusively in Japan. The sequel, Famicom Grand Prix 2 3D Hot Rally, shifted the, pr- the perspective to behind the car, like in Mock Rider. 
Uh, what's interesting here is uh, for the box art for 3D Hot Rally, it's the first time Luigi is depicted as taller and thinner than Mario. This is the first time we've actually seen that put out. Wow, is it really? Yeah. Nintendo. Yeah, interesting, yeah, I knew they were identical for a while. That's just such a weird place to put it. It's always these weird um, side games that actually has bigger implication for the main Nintendo series. I think of like NES Golf of having like really modern like Mario designs on them versus what was otherwise depicted. I think of like Mario. well, yeah. It's also yeah. like it's yeah. I I love how Waluigi has become such a presence in Mario lore, and he's from fucking Mario Tennis. Yes, because they exactly. needed Wario to have a partner, and, and Daisy is from Super Mario Land on the Game Boy, which and she's been paired with Luigi since then. Yeah, obviously we can go on, but you're right; it is very funny that like things that would become like canon just show up in weird little outliers. Yeah, for sure. And uh, there's a lot of like bases. There's a lot of like connections between weird Mario series, like um, Paper Mario. All the Star Sages and that are the main like players in like mario party 5 there's a lot of like the mario sub i remember that kind of I... <laughs> connecting with each other in interesting ways but uh mm-hmm. so when it came time for uh if they were going to localize the game uh as you remember nintendo america was kind of like the gatekeepers at the time between what came out in japan and what came out in america this is how we ended up with instances like um super mario brothers 2 uh in America being different from Super Mario Brothers 2 in Japan. Did did you know? Did you know did you know that Super Mario Brothers 2 was originally a game in Japan called Doki Doki Panic? This is the first time I am hearing about did, this. Did you did you know did this. you know this? Did you yeah. know this? <laughs> Have you ever I feel like it might be the single like most like did you know thing in video games. I'm trying to think of one that might be more. But that feels the most like, hey, did you did you know that Mario 2 is a completely different game in, in Japan? <laughs> It's called it's called Doki Doki Panic. That's like the introduction fact that everybody has to learn before they go into the deeper realm of video game history and trivia. That's like the hurdle you have to get over. Once you learn that, oh yeah. Although I've been to yeah. like, but it's funny because you say that's the initial trivia, and then you go to like bar trivia, and they'll do video games, and it's like, who's Mario's brother? And you're like, no, I want to talk about Doki Doki Panic though. <laughs> I want to show off what a fucking nerd I am. All these people need to know that the Mario 2 they played is a lie. <laughs> yeah. They, do they not know that Mew was accidentally, like, put into the game and it defined Pokemon? No. As I'm, like, you know, escorted out of the bar. <laughs> Get better trivia! Yeah. So, when it came time for 3D Hot Rally to make the localization jump, until of America passed on the game, saying that the cute art style would not sell well to Americans. So, uh, this is where our main hero is introduced kasanobu uh shimizu can can i just say that just that takes i love that i love that nintendo has done that forever though man because i think of mean kirby or angry kirby yes uh this is another obvious trivia thing but if you don't know in japan on all the kirby game box arts he's like smiling and in america he's always fucking pissed yeah so they were worried they're like we can't have mario with angry eyes in a race car this will not sell well to americans so it was scrapped. Uh, so Kazunobu yeah. Shimizu, the game's director, took this personally, as we'll see. Uh, here's a direct quote. He said, they were like, this isn't a racing game. Racing cars should be cooler. Then 
They even said it wouldn't sell well, and that ticked me off. In fairness, they were probably right about the cars looking cooler. You're probably right, but I don't know. I like the cute cars in uh, 3D Hot Rally. A game I never played, but saw some screenshots of. There was actually... I remember hearing about that game in trophies for uh, Smash Bros. Melee, because they had this uh, the Mario and Luigi's car in that game as a trophy. Huh. And I remember being like, what's this weird racing game? And it says, and they never gave any more information on anything released outside Japan except parentheses Japan only. They're like, what's the history? Where does, I loved where when it said Japan on? only. You were like, what the hell is this? I need to know now. Where you're like, oh yeah, Wario. Wario appears as a villain. Wario appears as a villain in this. And you're like, wait, I, what? I know, <laughs> Michael. I'm so glad you popped like the exact same example popped into your head. I'm like, what is this Mario Wario bucket game? Yes, I need to know this. <laughs> And your mind always goes like the craziest thing. It's like are they, they're gonna like fight on a volcano or something, or it's always yeah, I, being like this most it, like tame puzzle game or something. But yeah, and there would be like always, a game called Devil World, and you were like Japan only. Like what the fuck is going on in <laughs> Devil World? Or the other one being Top Secret, and you're like, what is this? <laughs> oh, that was which I did not understand till way later. Like yeah. way later, I found out the truth behind that one. Mm-hmm. So, this is what we're getting to. So, while uh, Sh- uh, Shimizu was in America to pitch 3D Mach Rider to uh, Nintendo of America, and they passed on it, he went to go see a movie. Uh, Shimizu saw Batman 1989 and got some ideas. He grabbed some comic books before heading back to Japan. Okay, I, I simply refuse to believe that Death Race 2000 has no influence on F-Zero. Having said that... uh. This is another thing that gets kind of, not entirely memory old. I think people will talk about it, but like when we talk about modern movie marketing now, or really any movie marketing after Star Wars uh, was such a huge hit, Batman 89 sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. And it's hard to describe how big the marketing push for that movie was and how at the time successful it was. Like, it broke every fucking box office record. Everybody saw that movie. Uh, the marketing was absolutely insane. I think at the time, I, I wouldn't quote me on this, but at the time it was like more than like Star Wars marketing. Uh, just absolutely massive. So, admittedly... The soundtrack for that movie was a huge hit because he had Prince on it. Yes, you did have the Prince music. Um, only later would they realize that they should make a bizarre video with Seal instead uh, for Batman Forever. But, I love that fucking video. Uh so, so it does make sense that they saw Batman and got some ideas. It's just very funny to me that that is where so much of F-Zero's aesthetic comes from. You got the, like, high-contrast um, superhero aesthetic. You got the cool-looking car with the jet booster on the back. It all makes sense that... Yeah. Oh, and I remember he said it was the... Batman 89 would be. Yeah, it was the semi-weird like weird future aesthetic, right? Which is... Yeah. Admittedly, one of the great things about that movie is that it's like a retro future thing. Yeah, for sure. How it, especially I imagine like coming from Japan to seeing a movie that looked like that was probably like, oh man, this is this is what Americans want and are after. So he's like, I'm gonna make a game to specifically cater to their stupid interests out of pure spite, which. The best things come out of making something purely out of spite. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, well, I don't know about that. I feel like we could probably <laughs> find some examples of things not going well that were that were made purely out of spite. But sometimes uh, it does happen. Frickin', um, 
Okay, very off topic, but just real quick. I saw Killers of the Flower Moon yesterday, the new Scorsese movie. And famously, Scorsese made his first huge hit, Mean Streets, after he made uh, Boxcar Bertha, showed it to John Cassavetes, and Cassavetes was like, Marty, you spent a year of your life making a piece of shit. Why don't you make something that like you actually care about? And then he made Mean Streets, which is like a phenomenal movie. So sometimes it works out very well. Uh, sometimes, though, I feel like uh, it does not. So when... Uh... Yasunari Nishida, uh, sorry, when Shimizu came back to Japan, uh, Yasunari Nishida was working with Mode 7 on the Super Nintendo, when the Super Nintendo was in development. So Mode 7 is one of the, named after a graphical mode on the Super Nintendo. There were eight graphical modes, each given a number 0 through 7. And Mode 7 allowed for scaling and rotating backgrounds, which could create the illusion of a 3d space and shimizu having uh, Michael, just I... come back from america thought that nishida's experiments could make for an excellent racing game that would quote-unquote shock everyone um i was for a moment uh you had a pause when you were about to say how many modes there are and i was like is he gonna trip up and say there were only seven modes because actually there were eight modes because there's mode zero. mode zero but you fucking got it man you fucking you let me think you you hustled me. You let me think that you weren't going to call it eight modes, but it is, in fact, uh, eight modes. You're right. I almost tripped um, up, but then I remembered mode zero. I have a note here. <laughs> yep. People forget that there's mode zero, which I, I think, you know, uh, back in the console wars of the 90s, obviously blast processing is the most famous thing to come out of that. It's funny that that is total bullshit, but mode seven, which also sounds cool, is technically, like, that is a real thing. Like, blast processing was just complete marketing uh, horseshit, basically. But Mode 7 was like, no, there literally is a thing called Mode 7, and it does let you do stuff with uh, the graphics that, like, other consoles wouldn't do at the time. Say what you want about Nintendo, but they always was able to back up their marketing gimmicks with their technology. Whether it be Mode 7, whether it be HD Rumble, or gyroscoped controllers, it always, like... Sounded nice on a box, but it was also oh, like, yeah. no, here's the technology we built for this. Yeah, I mean, like, look, I, I turned the 3D off on my 3DS, but the 3D itself was impressive. It wasn't, like, just, like, shitty. It was impressive. The Wii controls were very basic, but it was still very impressive to have, like, a cheap motion control uh, gaming console at the time. And the Wii U also exists, you know? So, like, lots of lots of good things all around. Um <laughs> I love I love my Wii U, but like fucking man, I yeah Nintendo Mode Seven. I have had to have explained to me like I'm five on multiple occasions because I will admit I'm not I'm not good at code. Like I really did try to like learn how to code and I, f- I fucking failed. And it's... so when people talk about Mode Seven, you might as well be describing like fucking uh, magic spells or some shit, man. The simplest way to explain it is just. You have a background layer on a game. Now imagine like the background of uh, a 2D platformer like Mario or something. Mode 7 allows for the ability to take that background layer and basically stretch and shape it however it sees fit. So the background of F-Zero is not like the background where we see the very simplistic like cityscape or anything. It's the um, ground, like the... Um, actual racetrack is the background layer. So, and it, that creates the illusion of 3 Right. I So I will say that I, I just did a refresh on how this all works. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Well, I, I got to recommend uh, Jeremy Parrish's video um, on his Super Nintendo Works. That the first episode is about F-Zero. 
And he goes into really good detail about uh, why Mode 7, in particular for 1991, was so revolutionary. Uh, partly because he just showed a picture of like what a regular tracks looks like. And yeah, it's just flat. It's just a flat screen. It looks very boring if you were to just base everything off of this. But being able to completely uh, reshape it and uh, stretch it out makes it so much better. And it is funny. He notes that like one thing about F-Zero is that uh, it does not have different elevations because of that limitation. Every track is the same elevation. It is flat. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like, you know, the mode seven thing, uh, in 1986, I believe Sega had outrun, which was a massive, massive hit for them. Uh, it would arcade game, you know, not a yeah. Genesis game, obviously, but outrun. The thing is the turns in outrun are very simple because, uh, you know, you're at, from behind the car. That's your perspective. So you would either get top down. I'm stealing this point from him, by the way, I'm completely stealing this, but like, you basically had two types of racing games, either top-down with complex tracks or from behind the car, which was kind of more thrilling, but very simple tracks, like very simple turns. And F-Zero is where they said, what if we did both? Like, what if we were able to have more interesting track designs, but we were still able to be from behind the car? Yeah. That's really interesting. But also, what was, what they, how they were able to <laughs> like make some more complicated um, car design with, is with this next point here. Uh so they modeled the cars uh, in a way that sort of resembled Hot Wheels being hot at the time, but they chose to make them hover to save on tech because uh, having tires rotate and having all of those um, positions for the pixel alignment with the um, racetrack and everything where you have cars like spin, there's bits in this game where the camera rotates. Having... Um, each of those angles combined with every angle that tires can be at was just way too much on the tech tracks would have to be dumbed down a lot more simpler. So they decided to have the cars float as a way to save on the um, tech of the super Nintendo. Um, Again, well, you you know, you were saying stuff happens. The best stuff happens out of spite, you know, famously, I think Orson Welles said like Um, limitations limitations is like the greatest enemy of an artist is the lack of limitations. Something like that. Yeah. Um, because it does force you to get creative. Uh, and, I mean, this is in Nintendo's own history. Famously, Mario's design comes from what they could, like, physically do. Like, knowing that, uh, you know, his hair was going to be black and it was going to blend to the background, they gave him a red hat. Because when they originally had him, like, just uh, wearing, like, a red jumpsuit, it didn't look right. Uh, so they gave him overall stuff like that. Yeah. Which then, it basically... This stuff ends up defining everything that the series will be in the future. F-Zero, essentially, yeah, it's a futuristic floating car racing game because they couldn't, they weren't sure how they could get the tires to, to twist on these tracks. Which is, I just think is so cool. That, that is really cool how that all sort of... F-Zero's, like, personality and its, like, style came out of, like, design limitations, but also, like, its design feats. Com- combine that limitation with the... Um... Mode 7, and you got a uh, really unique aesthetic and really unique design here. And uh, mm-hmm. setting the game in the future was also a smart way to get around some of those development hurdles, because if you set it in the far future, your cars don't need tires and can hover. So now let's get into the setting of F-Zero, starting with the um, time period here. So F-Zero takes place in the 
year 2560 and intergalactic trade is booming billionaires got bored and decided to fund high-speed death races uh, racing circuits were built 300 feet above the cities and the early races resulted in several deaths but was refined as racers gained more experience and here's something so i believe that that is the lore how f099 fits into the lore all these 99 racers on one track that's where a bunch of people explode and everything i imagine that's that's like the lore reason of why they shipped it from like having 100 racers on track to scaling it down to um less and less racers on the i track. like that you're applying kingdom hearts logic to this where it's like no even the spinoff has to have a lore justification for itself <laughs> it can't just be a spinoff of like a cute little gameplay thing no there has to be a story reason why this is occurring but I love that a lot of what you're getting is from the instruction manual, which not that any of that is even that crazy. I guess I just didn't expect the the billionaires uh, like wanted more violent entertainment stuff to come out of this. Uh, once again, Death Race 2000. But like, <laughs> I, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. I love that uh, there's apparently a quote. Why not hold on a galactic scale some competition like the F1 races once held on Earth centuries ago? And that is such a non-American thing to go to f1 and not like nascar uh you know what i mean like it is very and i don't say this like in a derogatory way at all obviously i think f1 is like much cooler but it is just very funny that like somebody in the future would be like let's go to let's do f1 again and not like let's do the roman gladiator shit which is usually what they do when they're usually. like we need uh future entertainment what if we just did gladiators again i like the idea that they said what if we did races again so we could just drink our fucking basically just get fucking lit for like three hours and just watch a bunch of people drive fast in an alternate universe f-zero mo was modeled after nascar i hey that's the that's the spinoff we need to see yes All right, i want dale earnhardt's f-zero <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, so let's get into some of the planets. So, Mute City. The original name for Mute City is was Mutant City, and is the biggest city on the Federation planet. So, because of that, it's like the hub for uh, a lot of like business ventures and everything in this universe. And I believe that when they do GP Legend, it gets retconned into being New York. Like it, they just re like built over and renamed New York. I believe. So it's New New York from Futurama, but they named it Mute City. It's instead. literally just the Futurama thing of New New York. It literally, <laughs> like, it's just the fucking exact same thing. I believe. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get there when we get to the GP Legend anime. But I we'll, think they say Mute City is just supposed to be New York. We'll get there. Uh, Big Blue. The only note about Big Blue is that ninety nine percent of the planet is water. That's all they feel the need to. Um, mentioned here besides like the magnetic fields on the track but yeah the planet itself water turns out it, it's called big blue they're like what what fucking more do you need how much more <laughs> it's fucking big blue like I, i'm not even kidding i love that name it's like just says it all just big blue lots of water do you need anything else uh sand ocean is it's no is that it's a desert planet because every sci-fi needs a desert planet um yeah we have with uh preferably with some giant skeletons you gotta Pardon. have like a big animal skeleton you need animal skeletons or sandworms or both if you want a sci-fi sand planet universe yeah and i think they they skipped on sandworms but they're like get some fucking skeletons in there next we have Deathwind. interesting fact about Deathwind: it's the most peaceful place in the universe where fierce winds blow <laughs> without respite 
So what so, better? I love yes. it, it, that. That is so funny. And also when we, when we get to the character bios, Pico, who is like the most violent racer is from there. Uh, it says, so that is just another great little detail. The most, I like to imagine it's because he'll just fucking kill anybody. <laughs> the other note about death wind is that it is a windy planet. Lots of winds, but peaceful. Mm-hmm. The note about yeah. silence is uh, that it is a silent planet where not even a single noise can be heard, which is a lie. Except for the uh, classic F-Zero SNES. <laughs> so that we got to get into the fact that like that you just hear that constantly. This game has amazing music and it is constantly being drowned by. <laughs> Fuck it. I, listener, if you like that sound, just F-Zero for Super Nintendo. That's the game for you. Uh, next is Whiteland. Uh, you'd think it would be a snow planet, but they... Per- Specifically, say it's covered in crystals and said to be the most romantic place in the universe. Yeah, people getting horned up on Whiteland. <laughs> I'm just trying uh, to be your hype guy for all these planets. I'm just yeah. <laughs> uh, Port Town is a harbor town. That is where Captain Falcon is from. Well, I, I just want to say real quick that like because you named seven courses, they technically have fifteen. Well, first of all, there was one that was not covered in there, which I find interesting. Firefield. Uh, like one planet that yeah, Firefield, which was straight up not mentioned. Um, and I guess they wanted it to be a surprise, like, oh, shit, you get to the end, and it's basically hell. <laughs> but, like, you know, they only have the, that many planets, but they have a bunch of courses because it would be, like, Mute City 1, Mute City 2, Mute City 3. Like, they just keep the aesthetic. And it's sort of that Mario 64 thing where it's like, well, let's just keep, like, the world the same and change small stuff. Like, or the level, rather, not the world. Yeah. Uh, this, this manual also erases red canyon from the lore oh you're right i like red canyon a lot and weird that they don't mention it here but red canyon really quick is basically that's where samurai goro's from it's basically a planet of like space pirates that's where they all hail from but yeah let's get into the racers so captain falcon he was originally designed to be the mascot for the super nintendo god i wish i really wish if only um, he's a mysterious bounty hunter from Port Town, and he has the most balanced machine with the Blue Falcon. Next, we got Dr. Robert Stewart. He started racing after the death of his father, and his uh, car, the Golden Fox, was made by Stewart's father, and it prioritizes acceleration. So it speeds up really quickly, but... I did not know the thing about the death of his father. They just they just throw these little lore details in yes, there. Yes, all the most interesting stuff about if Zero is, like, hidden in, like character bios in the manuals it's crazy uh next is pico he's from death wind he's a racer and hitman he's very aggressive and his car the wild goose can withstand heavy damage uh next we have samurai goro leader of the band of thieves he possibly stole his machine it i love how it says his doesn't outline it one way or the other he says his machine might have been stolen but we don't know for sure yeah we can't check the fucking VIN number or whatever, so we're just we're just making assumptions, and you know what they say about assuming, so no one's going to really confront him about it. And the Fire Stingray uh, is the fastest machine, because, of course, the uh, criminal has the fastest one. Right. So, Michael, I gotta be honest. Pico is the fucking coolest. Pico is, like, the fucking coolest guy. He has... That machine looks sick. Uh, the name, the Wild Goose, perfect fucking, like, race car name. 
Just Did, absolutely per the wild goose. Fucking yes. This man just looks sinister and angry. Yeah. He is and also it's like we don't know he's the only alien, but it was to me it is important that they had one of the racers be an alien. Uh and so I, I love that. I do like for the record, I do think uh Captain Falcon and the Blue Falcon also peak designs. I'm like, these both look fucking great. Um the Blue Falcon in particular. You want to talk Hot Wheels. It does kind of look like a Hot Wheel, but I mean that as a compliment. Uh, it really oh, does. Sure. It's just like a – yeah. And I, I'm ambivalent about Dr. Stewart and uh, Samurai Goro, but like I love Pico and I love Captain Falcon and both of their machines. The F-Zero um, instruction book also comes with a comic. In the comic, uh, Captain Falcon's robot tells them to get ready for the race, but he's got a bounty hunt first. Uh, he also arrests the Kingpin. So I was oh, like, Michael, I was like, are we going to talk about how this guy is just Wilson Fisk? Yes, it's we just, are. He, he just is. Yeah. Uh, and then he goes to the race in time. So I was like, did this man just travel two planets and arrest two dudes in the span of 10 minutes? Very efficient yeah. bounty hunter. Captain uh, hey, Falcon. he's fast. Yeah. Uh, also worth noting, by the way, that this announcer, this F-Zero announcer has been brought back. Uh, in both F Zero GX and in F Zero ninety nine, uh, this announ- like I love it so much. Yeah, he's he's great. I, oh, I love it. It's fucking like fun, uh, futuristic like announcer man. Cool stuff. So now let's talk about the actual game. F Zero for the Super. Wait, Nintendo. hold on. You can't just skip over the last panel of the comic. Oh yeah, the the start. The last page is just start, and it just everyone has a different line. Samurai Goro says. This is no game. My butt is on the line. Captain Falcon says, now you'll learn how men do battle. Pico says, I hate losing to any driver whose blood is red. And Dr. Stewart, who for some reason is wearing a Captain Falcon helmet in this scene, says, I shall win to honor beautiful women everywhere. To be continued. I do not. Push start. I'm not a fan. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, Dr. Stewart. Get the fuck over yourself. <laughs> so let's talk about. Now the game. We're now on to the game of F Zero. What is your thoughts mm-hmm. on F Zero? I have played this game so much, so in some ways, when I boot up, uh, just like the first cup and just do it on novice, it's like fucking drinking water. It's just so easy, and I actually kind of mean relaxing almost. Like it's just so. I know this course by heart, so I'm. I'm. It's hard for me to judge, uh, especially for modern eyes. Here's what I think about F-Zero. I think it is an incredible showcase for the Super Nintendo. It is better than 90% of all tech demos. Like, this is what a tech demo should strive to be. Which, to be clear, F-Zero was. It was like, can we demonstrate what you can do with Mode 7? Um, I mean, famously, in Japan, the Super Nintendo launched with two games. This and Super Mario World. Because, like, this was going to have to carry it. And I enjoy the hell out of it. The things that bother me are that sound I was making earlier, that sound that is just constant. And this is not, you know, there's not really much that could be done, but the lack of variety in the courses and the, like, small number of them, basically. Uh, I personally think, though, F-Zero is secretly, and I I don't expect anyone to agree with me on this, it's one of the best Super Nintendo titles because of its simplicity. I agree. Oh, okay, cool. 100% with that. And every 
pretty much everything that you said, how um, this game is basically a glorified tech demo, but it's the mechanics of how it plays and how it looks and how it sounds, everything just is a top-notch video game. And the fact that it was made to basically demonstrate the power of the Super Nintendo shows the strength as the Super Nintendo as a console, but also, like, this game and this idea. Yeah, and it it's kind of nuts to me just how much better it holds up than a lot of other racing games from that era. Uh, and it, it still looks great, by the way. It's funny that, like, obviously you see the seams. You see the Mode 7 seams. Like we said, the, the tracks have no elevation. Uh, there's only a few of them, and they have to use overall the same backgrounds. But when you see F-Zero in motion, it is undeniably impressive. Like, you get the sense of speed, which is something that I feel at the time was very difficult for a lot of those racing games to accomplish. You feel like you're going 400 kilometers per hour. And that is incredibly impressive. Given yeah. the, again, 1991. It captures 30 that, years ago. It captures that sense of speed so well. And you made a good point saying that it's just like a joy to look at. This is definitely one of those games that exists for kiosk. Like when you're walking through a store, mm -hmm. you see some, especially like 91, you see someone playing this and go, what is that? Oh, 100%. That just looks really cool. Like you have to at least play it immediately. Yeah, that's it's one of those things where even if you like don't come away liking it or don't like racing games, it's something you once you see, you're like, I have to check that out because that looks really cool. Yeah, and I mean that's why like you know uh, some local newscaster photoshopped himself into playing uh, on one of those <laughs> kiosks. Okay, so we got to talk about this real quick. I'm sorry, we we have to talk about this. Uh, we have to. Yes. Yeah. There there was a. This video, it kind of like, not viral, but it just got shown in certain circles. Back in 91, when the Super Nintendo launched, uh, you know, famously, this was like the first major console transition at the time. And people were pretty pissed off that they had to buy a new video game console. Mm -hmm. uh, and so a lot of local news stories were about that. And they were like, well, let's take a look at this new thing. And one fucking guy, like, this is such a great, like, local news, do they have anything better to do type of thing. Where... He, like, not photoshops, but, like, edits himself driving, like, one of the F-Zero machines. He shrinks way, himself down absolute... into the car. Yes, that's what it is. He shrinks, yeah. He shrinks himself down. The whole screen is the F-Zero. And he literally immediately starts going backwards and says, whoa, guess I should watch where I'm driving. And, like, over the next 20 seconds does one of the shittiest jobs of playing a game on live television I've ever seen. And obviously it wasn't fucking playing, but like it eventually just crashes and explodes. But He's... it is so listener, if you just look up like F Zero newscast, I swear to God you you'll find, find it. it. Yes. It's so yeah, it's so dumb and goofy and like I think someone called him the first less player, which is very uh which is in my opinion true. Like uh, Yeah, says, by the way, I just Googled like, it. F Zero uh, newscast. There it is. He, he says like the greatest thing ever. Where it's like, if you're a real expert at this game, someone who's like six or seven, you could probably do a lot better than I can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching this right now. First of all, his name is Kent Shockneck. I hope he's doing well. Hope you're uh, doing well. He's just going in reverse the entire time. The entire time. He's not, like, when you see him get in the machine, he's already turning to go backwards. Oh, he finally, at the 22nd mark, he finally turns around. He goes over a fucking um, a ramp and explodes and dies. And that is on uh, Sand Ocean, by the way. Yes. Yeah, this is one of my favorite pieces of mainstream video game coverage, like, pre-2000. 
which is a very different time if you ever see clips. That is one of my favorite things to come out of all of that. Where every single time someone brings up video games, it always starts with, video games have come a long way since Pac-Man. Yeah, but that we still get those in the year 2023. We still we get still those. still fucking, like, yeah. It's, it, oh my god. If it, Every time I see one of those, I just want to, like, fucking wring someone's fucking neck. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> wow. Also, can I just say that this guy, I googled Kent Shockneck real quick. He seems to be, like, after this, he seemed to just be playing newscasters in, or, you know, Anchorman, whatever, in, like, TV and movies. Good he for is him. in uh, Anchorman. Yeah. He is in Anchorman. He's also in Triple X State of the Union, which is the terrible Triple X sequel uh, starring fucking, um, uh, what's his name? Oh my God. Why am I forgetting? Ice Cube. Uh, he was in Righteous Gemstones. Like, what the hell? Yeah, this guy had a great career as just news ca- newsman. Get that money, Kent. Yeah. This is great. Good for Kent. All right. Sorry I had to give the quick Kent Shockneck uh, IMDB, but good to know he did he did pretty well after that embarrassing F-Zero performance. So going back to F-Zero this time, I actually think F-Zero 99 made me better at this game. For example, um, I never understood like the point of using the check arrows, despite the fact finding out, like, okay, there's a guy behind me. But actually... If you use the check arrows and line it up just right, when they bump into you, your rival, you can get a speed boost from them mm-hmm. to prepare yourself forward. I never thought to do something like that in this game. It's also weird that boost in this game and maximum velocity work completely different than boost in the rest of the series. Every lap, you yes. gain one me- you gain one boost. And there are some rate. This is being having like, especially in the later tracks, doing like tight corners and everything is you don't want to use that boost except for like specific jumps or long stretches Mm -hmm. because you will it'll immediately backfire if you hit a corner because then you're in activating tilt mode in a pinball game and just bouncing off walls, get a wall a certain way. Yeah, I think part of the fun with the boost is that like an inexperienced player, when they fuck up, will immediately use the boost and immediately like start bouncing off walls. Uh, and I do think, I think the system for boost would be better, which by the way, I want to note that like the boost system is all over the place. Cause think about this, Michael F zero and F zero maximum velocity have the same boost system, right? Uh, F zero X and F zero GX have the same boost system. GP legend does a weird play on the F zero X and GX system. And then F zero 99 technically does the X and GX system, but it lets you start with the boost immediately. Like the boost, the boosting systems in this franchise are somewhat inconsistent. Mm-hmm. We'll kind of touch on each one as we go. Yeah, but also with this game, I'm sorry to do the Death Race 2000 thing again, but one thing that always bugged me, like from the moment I played it, because again, my first was F Zero GX and also F Zero GP Legend, and I would be playing F Zero for the first time, and I was like, "What the fuck are these other cars doing here? They're like clearly not in the race, are they?" Like, I thought that, that, like, this was just, like, a highway. And these were people, like, in their fucking commute going to work. And there's a breath race happening. Yes. Like, I was very confused about that. Also, there's just cars that are bombs. You know, there's literally just, like, cars that are flashing, and if you hit one, it just completely explodes. (laughs) Also, I don't think... I I think in F-Zero, there's no way to kill your opponents. And X was where you were allowed to do that. I don't know if the spinoffs before x allowed you to do that yeah come to think of it i don't remember any of the rivals exploding so 
that's really interesting. I never actually considered that. So, what are your... Yeah. But, like, uh, well, I just I just wanted to say, I mean, maybe this is what you're moving into, but, like, F-Zero also, as is typical of the time, um, not typical of the time, but, like, it has an amazing soundtrack. Uh, obviously, oh, it sure. is running off of the Super Nintendo's chips, which, for the record, were better than the Sega Genesis. That was a point of pride for Nintendo. But, like, even so, you know, obviously, it's, like, chiptuned stuff. The compositions are amazing. Big Blue has stuck around for a reason. Big Blue's theme is is fantastic. And I think Mute City is also like I think you're going to start on Mute City and it, I know this sounds weird, it is a perfect first track uh, soundtrack. It just gets you hyped up. Whereas like which actually I think also I mean uh, forgive me if I'm moving into like talking about certain songs in this game or certain uh music tracks. But like there's some that really fit like I love Silence. Silence is the final track of the first uh, Grand Prix, and it feels like a finale song, which is so unique, uh, because I don't even think the other two uh, final tracks in their respective cups fill that void. Silence has a great, like, it feels like it's been like a long journey. That's what Silence makes me feel like, even though it has only been like five races. Mm -hmm. So Silence is your, Silence and Big Blue are your favorite, um, songs in this game yes however i will say that deathwind sound uh the deathwind music contributes to maybe deathwind being like the best vibe of a track because it's just like the the gimmick the visuals the music all come together on deathwind i love it but yeah i would say the best actual songs for me are silence and big blue best songs for me go big blue of course and white land i really like white land's theme Whiteland's really good. I don't want to shit on Whiteland. Yeah, and I actually love Whiteland's aesthetic too. I like the white and the purple. Just I, oh no, something about yeah. that color combo that's the just thing. looks we... beautiful to me. Yeah, I mean that's what we've been talking about. I overuse the word aesthetics, but like a lot of these tracks just look really neat. They look really good, even with all the uh, the faults. Uh, and I especially like Mute City Two. Oh yeah, Mute City Two. At fucking sunset rules. looks especially beautiful yeah and i always felt like yeah that's why i like Deathwind. it just feels like an alien planet if it, it really does convey like racing on a deadly alien planet which is something that like i love mute city mute city doesn't do that though um so, uh, what are your favorite tracks in this game from like a gameplay from a suspect a sex perspective what are your all your favorite tracks i think i think Deathwind one because i do think Deathwind two has like a really bullshit sharp turn. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the only problem I really have with Deathwind 2. Deathwind 1, I think, is just a perfect vibe. And I know that it's obviously literally the most simple track. It is literally an oval. But I think it allows you to focus again on, like, uh, the actual gimmick of the stage. And I think that is just a fun gimmick. It's just, okay, you've done the regular races. Now you have something where something is moving your car. And so Deathwind 1 is one of my favorites. I do really, I like all the Mute Cities, and Big Blue might just be, like, the perfect track. I really like the, the design of Big Blue. Oh, I love Big Blue. Uh, I think, yeah, I think Whiteland 2 is funny because it is a big, like, it's a big test of if you know that you could extend your jump height by holding down the D-pad, because uh -huh. if you don't know that, you quite literally cannot beat Whiteland 2. Yes, it's very, it's very similar to the thing in uh, Sonic 3 
in the carnival level where if you don't know you can hit down to activate this elevator you're gonna be stuck yeah or super metroid where it's like uh there, there's a point everyone gets tripped up when they first play super metroid not knowing that samus can sprint because these like little this platform is collapsing as you're trying to walk over it and it's like oh do i need a power up it's like no you literally just need to hold like the x button or whatever it is and just sprint <laughs> and you don't need a power up for that yeah there's always something there's always a test like that Whereas now, you know, Kratos would tell you, like, you need to hit this thing and you need to hit this thing. Back in back in the old days, we just figured out how to do it like men. We didn't need no we didn't need no tutorial, no navi. We never thought to I don't look know it what up that online. character is. <laughs> no. I, I mean it's not like they had strategy guides just for this exact purpose or anything. Yeah, yeah. So my favorite tracks are Big Blue. Red Canyon 2, White Land 2, and Sand Ocean. I don't love Sand Ocean, interestingly. I, I, I don't really know why. Yeah. But I do like Red Canyon. I'm going to give... I don't know why I like it so much. Yeah. I, I, I got to give you Red Canyon. You're right. It's funny that that's not mentioned in the instruction manual, because that's one of the cooler tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, my least favorite track is Death Wind 2. Okay, so we agree. Like, Yeah, everything I like about Death Wind 1, I just feel like Death Wind 2... This is where the gimmick doesn't work as well because it's a real track. It's too complicated and, of a track to warrant the um, wind blowing your card around. It, it's not. Fun. I think so. Yeah, I think it needs to be less. Yeah. So, you didn't mention. How do you feel about Firefield? I like Firefield as a true test of the game's mechanics. It's like the closest this game has to a final boss is navigating this track because mm-hmm. it has it throws every possible type of hazard at you it's an endurance test that track goes on for about four minutes but i really like firefield i do too actually i'm glad to hear you say it because yeah firefield i i think um when you're doing a racing game like this yeah obviously the final track needs to be the hardest and mario kart i feel i want to say that i feel like mario kart 64 really fucked up the reputation of rainbow road forever because that game's version of rainbow road is just long it is just a long grind whereas i think later rainbow roads and i just think this applies to firefield as well when you just do like the same length of a regular track but just a shitload of obstacles i just think that is yeah that is the final boss version for a racing game it does it extends the length of the track but like not overwhelmingly so it's a four minute track but it's so intense and there's so many hazards and so it constantly keeps you engaged mm-hmm. it's never a slog that something like rainbow road 64 can end up being yeah exactly so that's our thoughts on the first F Zero. Uh, any more things you oh, want wait, to say before we question. move on? Yes. Yeah, I mean, who's what's your favorite machine to use? Oh, I forgot that that was something on here. Fire Stingray is the objectively objective right choice for F Zero One. Here's the thing: I know that you're correct. I fucking hate driving that thing. I don't <laughs> like it. So I drive the Wild Goose. No, the Wild Goose is also good. No one likes the Golden Fox. Um, the Golden Fox. I don't. Actually, I was going to make some joke, but I genuinely have just never cared for that in any F-Zero game. Yeah. Even 99, I tried it for like two races. I'm like, nope, still hate this one. It gives you your... And not to talk about 99 too much, but it, I imagine it carries over to mm-hmm. this game as well. It does give you your life meter back a lot, but in F-Zero 1, the life meter is... Uh, except for a few tracks, sort of like a non-factor. Like, it's not as much as, like, a um, something you're constantly watching, like, in a F-Zero. Right, case. and again, this will come up as we discuss F-Zero X, but, like, 
tying the boost to the health meter completely changes that game. Whereas this, yeah, the life meter is, it is a separate thing from boost. That is something that we're about to get into with X uh, in a little bit. But for this game, you're right. The life meter stuff doesn't matter as much because it's basically treated separately from the boost function. Mm -hmm. So we talked about how good the music for this game is. So good, in fact, that in March 1992, um, uh, Yoshio Maki produced a F-Zero jazz record. And all the songs Man, slap they, here. They need to go back to doing this kind of shit. We need to go back to, like... I mean, I guess we kind of do, but, like... I don't know. You hear about stuff in Japan that was produced to, like, tie into some of these games mm -hmm. where you're just like, why didn't we get any of this? This is For so me, stupid, it sounds fun. Uh, as someone who had Killer Instinct as a kid, I, I rocked out to those um, Killer Tracks uh, album that came with that game. Killer Cuts, that's what it's called. I want, like, the King of Fighters audio dramas that they were doing over the radio in the 90s. Like, that's the kind of shit that I wish they had brought over here. Wait, what? I never heard about this. Yeah. Oh, this you is got, a, this is an entirely different fucking topic, but like, <laughs> look, I, I did a lot of research for King of Fighters for a project that never went off the ground, but man, just some of, like, when King of Fighters would add his peak in the 90s, the multimedia stuff they did, specifically like visual novels and audio dramas, man, they were really pushing those characters, because that was some early, like, Tumblr-esque shipping and stuff like that. Oh my god, that's amazing. Anyway, that's, that's all I gotta say. So now, uh... Because F-Zero was a hit, they looked into, the people at Nintendo, looked into creating a sequel. So a sequel to F-Zero was an early development, but what was there was shifted to a separate project. And this is where I need to talk about something called the Satellaview. So what is the Satellaview anyway? The Satellaview is a satellite modem peripheral produced by Nintendo for the Super Famicom in 1995, containing one megabyte of ROM space. And, it, and an additional, adding on to the Super Nintendo, 512 kilobytes of RAM. This was a project developed by R&D2. It was a mail order exclusive. You had to sign in and get it through the mail. Uh, you download games through satellite broadcast. But in the U.S., we had something similar to this with something called the Sega Channel, which allowed you to download games over... Um, your cable box. <laughs> Whenever you read about, yeah, like the early attempts to try to do like downloadable games or streaming games and everything is running through cable. You're just like, what a fucking horrific nightmare to imagine. <laughs> like this it is shit that like HP Lovecraft could never. <laughs> so as zero got two like pseudo sequels, not even sequels, more like expansions. Uh, BSF zero one was released as multiple broadcasts because, um, this was like a satellite-based thing. It was all through program times. So certain games would not be available all the time, just available at certain times. Like tuning into a TV show, you would tune into your favorite game. What if we just made gaming worse? Again, <laughs> there's just certain points where you just... And, and this still happens, by the way. Like, you, where you just hear something and it's like, did they in a boardroom say, what if we made it worse? It's so like, complicated. What if everything just sucked a little more? I'm gonna yeah. talk. I'm gonna talk about the Satellaview um, interface because oh my god. Uh, so F zero one was BS BS F zero BS the shorthand for the Satellaview F zero Grand Prix one was multiple broadcasts allowing people to download the latest cup for a limited time. BS F zero two was one new cup that did not have a time window. 
as a result, this version was easier to preserve. Now, I have emulated the Satellaview to play F-Zero Grand Prix 2. And when you boot it up, the Satellaview, you are basically greeted to what looks like face from Nick Jr. back in the day. And all <laughs> Japanese texts trying try to navigate this thing. Uh, telling you mm-hmm. what to do. And I went out to the main menu. The main menu is a town from like an RPG like Earthbound, which you walk around in to get to the different centers. Like you go to the broadcast center to tune into broadcast. Like you go to your TV station. You can go to like, I guess, friends' houses. I don't know. I was trying to figure out what these were. Some of it was, some of it was in English. So I was able to like parse some well, things around so the menu for this thing is like a little earthbound rpg town to walk around in it's wild that this came out in 95 it feels like it sounds like uh 10 years later when sony people were trying to figure out how to make playstation home work they were like that's it we're gonna we're gonna build the playstation home based on like the Satellaview thing and everyone will love it <laughs> everyone will love waiting in line and having to walk around physically within the game space it's wild. It's incredibly dumb. So I figured out what I needed to do is because I was playing like a ROM of BS2, BSF02, I went back to my home and talked to the TV, well, the face th- figure I saw before. And I went to, it was like, saved a broadcast. And that's where it was. These aren't games. They're considered broadcasts. And that's where I was able to play BSF0 Grand Prix 2. And... It is super cool. This is like a DLC campaign for F-Zero with some really awesome tracks, including... I have the entire list of tracks here. This is the Ace Cup. So this literally sounds like a DLC cup. It's like, we went all the way to King, now here's Ace. Uh, We got... Mm -hmm. All of these are remixes of other tracks. So we got... Right away, uh, when you... You see the machines, and the machines have more like an even more future like aesthetic going on. These are like bulkier machines. They look like rocket ships almost versus actual cars. I really like those designs. I saw a screenshot. I'm like, these actually look cool, though. Mm-hmm. That the yellow one and the stingray are a little bit too bulky and ugly, but the um, falcon one, the blue falcon equivalent, is super cool looking. I love it so much. So right away, we nice. got Mute City 4 as the first track. That made my jaw drop immediately seeing Mute City 4. I'm like, what? We get more Mute City? <laughs> but the I do second... li- No, I think yeah. that's actually... Your description of DLC or a DLC campaign, I think it's pretty accurate uh, based on how you're describing it, at least. Uh, but that actually sounds neat. I hate that it was delivered in this fucking shitty system. It is worth seeking out. If you can figure out... If I could figure this out, it should be easy for... Uh, most people, but to emulate this thing. But uh, BSF Zero Grand Prix 2 is actually really cool and has some really cool tracks. Because then the second one you get is Big Blue 2. Which, yeah, that doesn't exist. Like, we just talked about how Big Blue is amazing and there is no sequel track within the first game. Uh, then we got a track called, uh, not Sand Ocean, but Sandstorm 1. Then we got... Okay, si- so they did do, yeah. like, a new track. Yeah. Then we got Silence 2. Which is cool because that didn't have a sequel equivalent in the first game, and then, yeah. and then Sandstorm Two, the sequel to Sandstorm, that was introduced on this track, but the music for it was Deathwind. 
oh shit really <laughs> i was like oh no i love, I love Deathwind's music yeah that's yeah. not a good that's not a good start i was like oh no <laughs> this is gonna be bad so it's sort of if i remember correctly it's been a few weeks since i played this i think sandstorm 2 specifically was like a sand ocean style track with like the wind blowing like a sand being in a sandstorm so makes sense like, my note here is I mean, again, they weren't creating super new assets except for, like, those vehicles, right? Like, it's basically all recycled stuff. Not really. There is sort of... Oh. There's jump pads in this, like, for alternate shortcuts. So there's points where you can jump off of the track and jump on, like, a trampoline pad and use boost to launch yourself back onto yeah, the track. Yeah, okay, that is points. new. Really? Yeah, there's some new Man, mechanics in here. I gotta play this. This is really cool. Uh, everyone should seek out BSF Zero Grand Prix 2 if you're a fan of the original Super Nintendo because this is just a DLC add-on uh, Grand Prix and it, you'll be as giddy as I am when you see F-Zero 4 on the screen. Yeah. Nintendo, put this shit on, like, Switch Online. Like, these are the fucking tracks put the was, Satellaview shit on there. These are the tracks I was hoping for with uh, F-Zero 99. I was like, man, I hope we get some of the Satellaview tracks because they are kind of nuts. That would be pretty sick. Yeah. Uh, we also got another cancelled F-Zero project here called Zero Racers or G-Zero, depending on which article you looked at. I think they went by both names. It may have been a Japan-America situation, but this was a cancelled Virtual mm -hmm. Boy game. Wait, why Why was it cancelled? Uh, it was uh, because the Virtual Boy, if you don't know, listener, was a 3D portable, quote-unquote, game console by Nintendo that... Um, would strain your eyes because of the red and black only color aesthetic and 3D visuals via a virtual reality screen. My favorite detail about the Virtual Boy is it was also heavy specifically. It was a very heavy thing. <laughs> it's like, well, why is it so he heavy? Well, they had to have like a big like lead lined thing or whatever to prevent the fucking screen from like damaging your brain. <laughs> it's like, wow, this is a good system. This, everything about this screams fucking quality. So G-Zeros was previewed in Nintendo Power in July 1996 for a fall release. And it's basically F-Zero with a Z-axis. You can move up and down in yeah, this Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, like I said, that was sort of the big thing with F-Zero. Uh, yeah, just F-Zero for the Super Nintendo. The tracks were very flat, even if you could jump with, like, jump pads or whatever. They do make a reference to the G-Zero Cup in... I believe it's like a Star Fox game or something. I remember seeing Star Fox characters being making reference to a G-Zero so, Cup. Okay, so Star Fox Command is probably the most bizarre entry in Star Fox, and it has multiple endings, none of which are really canon because nothing has taken place after. It's only been like reboots and remakes. But one of the endings... Fox and I think like Fox's girlfriend Crystal leaves him and Fox goes to a bar because he's all depressed and he and Falco are drinking at a bar and Falco's like well you know instead of being this fucking like these mercenaries saving the galaxy why don't we just fucking get rich and so they convert their uh, uh, R wings into G zero machines that compete in the G zero Grand Prix now we're not there yet but with F zero X we'll get a character named James McLeod these these games have a special relationship they reference each other all the time. Yes. Actually, while I'm on the subject, Star Fox Command, one of the bosses in that game for the Angler Empire, which is like a fish alien empire, is just straight up Octoman from F-Zero. Like, awesome. It's not even like they try... He's literally just Octoman. I love it when properties reference each other constantly, much like uh, 
Daredevil and Ninja Turtles. Oh, you mean like that? I was about to say like, what are, what are you, Michael, a board member at Disney? Like, what if we got every property to reference each other? No, we'd make <laughs> infinite money. You were like, put put Nicolas Cage as Superman in the Flash. Everyone's gonna love this, especially Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Put anyway. Resurrect so. Christopher Reeves as fucking corpse. Oh, put God. his ass in the movie. He can't say shit about it. I know. What an evil movie. Just an so, evil fucking movie. So G Zero was very much in the mold of F Zero. Four racers, fifteen tracks, and three cups. It was canceled, and there is no prototype out there to out in the wild for us to like emulate or like look at or see video of. So we have to go by like old uh, Nintendo power listings for this. Yeah, I mean, like they they weren't really hyping. I don't. I would love to read um, the articles about the Virtual Boy, like when it's first revealed and stuff, because that has to be like so much hope and promise. Although it was always, like, you know, there's... You could do a fucking whole dissertation. I have a book about the Virtual Boy. Like, it's fucking... The Virtual Boy was just such a disaster. Mm -hmm. But I kind of wonder, like, what they were thinking in terms of which audience was this going for? Because, again, was it supposed to be a successor to the Game Boy? Well, not really. So is it, like, a home console? Like, the next... Well, not really. I don't know. I just find the whole thing, like... This feels like an R&D experiment that should never have made it to the shelves. I, I think... I might be misquoting. I think the creator, Gunpei Yokoi, who also created the Game Boy, like, people were shitting on him because his last big creation was the Virtual Boy. Fuck that. He was, he was like, one of Nintendo's best people. But I believe he or somebody else described the Virtual Boy development process as the frog boiling metaphor, where, you know, if you stick a frog in a pot of water and you slowly increase the heat, the frog will not jump out and it'll die because you've increased it to boiling water and the frog's just dead, versus, like, if you drop the frog in boiling water, it'll hop right out because it knows it's in danger. They described, like, the development of Virtual Boy as, like, yeah, if we knew all that stuff at the end, we would have seen. But, like, at the time, it just felt like you were turning up the heat a little bit. And we didn't realize that, like, by the end, oh, my God, it's, it's such a disaster. Anyway, I might be misquoting that, but I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm not. That seems like an apt comparison for something, like, tragically in development like that. Mm-hmm. But now we're moving on to the next system... Post Super Nintendo, Nintendo released the Nintendo 64. And uh, this yes. was very much my, like, one of my favorite childhood systems growing so, up. So here's, here's the thing I need to say. I, well, no, I already said it. I did not um, play this when I had an N64. I was Mario Kart 64 and Diddy Kong Racing exclusively. And so I only played it when it came to the Wii Virtual Console. Mm-hmm. But... What this was ninety seven, I believe. So this is the year after the sixty four launches. This was ninety eight when F Zero X drops. Oh, excuse me. Yes, ninety eight. So this is two years later, and the Nintendo sixty four at this point already had to be like considered a disaster, right? I know that you and I love it, right? Like I know it's nostalgic for us. Mm-hmm. It was really bad for Nintendo at the time. It's the third console curse. You know, I never thought I never realized it was called that, but you're right. That is, yeah, it's the third console curse. Yep. But yeah, I mean, you know, they everything, again, like with the Virtual Boy, there's like a whole fucking dissertation about what re- went wrong with the N64. Obviously, it's not as bad as Virtual Boy. A lot of great games came out for it. Uh, we clearly enjoyed it. It was like the multiplayer console, which F-Zero X kind of feeds into. But, you know, it's not a huge success. 
it's forward thinking and backwards thinking at the same time. Like we're going to put four controller ports mm-hmm. on this thing. Awesome. We're sticking with 64 megabyte cartridges. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you know, you can read all about the the war between Square and Nintendo at that time with, you know, Square basically leaving for PlayStation where they were like, we want we've liked you as a partner. We want to keep working with you, but these things are shit. Like this this is not where technology is going to go. Nintendo losing at, it's the story with a lot of Nintendo's failures. They lose they lose out on their third-party support. All their stuff that was crucial to like the super nintendo like the the whole rpg market of square and enix uh moving over to playstation you have stuff like um, 2d castlevania moving to the playstation you it's a tale of like uh everyone leaves the nintendo 64 but the people who stuck around with the nintendo 64 made some absolute bangers and classics oh yeah um but f-zero f-zero x man like how okay if you don't mind just before we get into development history all that how do you feel about f-zero x in in the f-zero series like how do i feel about this game in particular yes kind of like and where it fits within the series like this is one of my favorite games in the series i love f-zero x Love this game. So I think I'm not as positive as I used to be. I do think that like, (laughs) no, I actually, I do still quite like this game, but there's just some stuff that I don't, I don't know. It's not, it's not bad. It's actually, well, okay. But to be clear, I don't want to sound that negative. It's still a very good game, but I don't love it like I used to. And it feels like almost like a weird placeholder when I think the first is such an important part of obviously the series because the first but also just an important part of the super nintendo and i feel like f-zero x is where f-zero is just kind of there but not really like doing anything for whatever platform it's on that's kind of how i feel about f-zero x but i will say that it added a lot of what i would love about the franchise specifically um the characters that it was going to add a lot of characters to give them yes. all lore and you're going to have a ton of machines that are going to look super fucking cool it also Finally, this was the game where it set the rock aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I have in my notes, like, when you boot up this game, because uh, when you boot up this game, I forgot that it just begins with a sick guitar riff over, like, the N64 logo. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> that guitar riff is burned then, into my brain. I love it so much. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a sick guitar riff. You press start, and immediately you get, like, seven, like, big booby models with, like, holding up the signs for, like, the game modes. And I'm like, okay, this was the vibe they were going for. I see. You act like I'm crazy. They no, no it's, no, it's I, like you're no, right. You, you're so, right. <laughs> I'm not saying that's good. I'm just like I forgot about that when I went to replay it. I'm like, oh yeah, they were going for like almost like a sleazy vibe, which is kind of fun. And actually, I really okay. Now I'm gonna get more complimentary, which fits the vibe of like. No, I, I think I love the art in particular. Like just the I don't mean like the 3D political art. I mean like the 2D. Like, drawn art for all the characters looks fucking great. It's so good. It's tragic that our, uh, the F-Zero X box art still looks cool in North America. Like, you have, like, the, it very much, uh, focuses on the, like, uh, hard polygon shape of the, um, vehicles charging at you. But if you look at the 
Japan box art for F-Zero X. Ooh, it looks like this. a freaking movie poster. You have the cars charging to you at the bottom, but then you have like the floating head poster of all the racers. And there's lightning. It is so badass. Yo, this looks sick. Right? <laughs> this is so good. What the fuck? Why didn't we get this? <laughs> right? This looks great. God, you've got Mighty Gazelle just lording over fucking everybody. This is awesome. Yes. It's yeah, amazing. This is the much better cover. And it's wild that it looks like the bottom half of it is just the U.S. cover. They were like, well, we can only fit half the cover onto this fucking box. They were like, well, definitely the fucking bottom half then. They're like, we don't want to... I think it's because uh, the box arts for the for Japan a lot of times were up and down like cardboard cases like they uh versus in America oh, yeah. they were like landscape so i guess they couldn't find a way to make that box art work but i was like you focus on the wrong part of this cover yeah Again, for from real. a marketing perspective you need to know it's a racing game and if you just looked at this you're like what is this like crazy superhero game yeah i get it i get it oh, but God, that, how dare that, you I, I get you're right i get it too I would be in the marketing room and I'd be like, it's a game about fucking racing. Put the goddamn cars on the box. <laughs> but like, I'd be like, special yeah, box. That other we're going cover portrait. Looks better. We're going portrait for this game yeah. and only this game. Yep. It'll make like, the block. That'll cost so much fucking money. And it, the Nintendo 64 <laughs> is bleeding it. And I'd be like, I don't care. We got Pokemon on the horizon. I don't, <laughs> this thing's going to be big. We're going to make it. We're going to use that money. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I love how they lean into like the comic book a second, the menus and everything too. Right on like the push start screen, there's a vroom like onomatopoeia just going across the bottom yeah. of the screen. You have all the racers in that cool comic book art. Just the aesthetic of F Zero X from like the music, the menus, everything. Ha well, it has to be because we'll talk about the history of why that stuff needs to be so strong. So yeah. Uh, almost has the Shadow the Hedgehog every time you select an option in the menu it's like a gunshot it's not a gunshot it's like a but it is just like yeah it's just so in your face yes so F-Zero X was like a premier big first party game for Nintendo which is it's, it's not usually uh, in terms of F-Zero but um, uh, Tadashi uh, Sugiyama of Mario Kart was assigned as director for the new game with Shigeru Miyamoto. So F-Zero X was a Miyamoto that was a Miyamoto joint with the head of Mario Kart coming together to make this thing. So this was a big first party Nintendo game. In fact, they got programmers from Wave Race 64 assigned to the project. And this game would be developed in-house at Nintendo EAD. Which, you know, what's kind of funny is I always thought like... I thought for sure this had to be developed by not EAD because they have a character named Mr. EAD <laughs> who is clearly like a joke, shitty version of Mario. Yes. And then finding out like, no, this was developed by the EAD team. Like they were like shitting on themselves or at least their own character. So Nintendo EAD is like the mainline Nintendo team. They are like the gold standard, especially at the time for what Nintendo was working on. Would yeah. you agree? Yeah. Uh, so... I, I would, except I would also say, like, EAD gets all the credit, and meanwhile, R&D 1 is just putting out some of the most important games in Nintendo's history with basically, like, the entire Metroid and Wario franchises. <laughs> yeah, yes. and just, EA... I just want to shout out R&D yeah. 1. 
and R and D two being like the technical marvel. So like, what if we just do this crazy tech, <laughs> mm-hmm. like the Satella view and stuff like that? So what if heroes at the top uh, of the what of heroes for Nintendo development in those three departments? But right away, it was decided sixty frames per second being a priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, although technical sacrifices had to be made to achieve it, because let's face it, Nintendo sixty four. Not the most powerful console, even though it was boasting 64-bit, um, the cartridge space limitation really held it back. So in order to get that 60 FPS, we had to we had to do a lower polygonal count, uh, simple backgrounds, fog, that N64 fog, uh, lower texture detail, yeah. but this was the right call. I mean, just like, I, I played it again last night, you know, I played it again last night for this. And I already knew it going in, but when I booted it up, I'm like, oh, God, I forgot that, like, from far away, these machines look like shit. Like, they do not look good. This is an ugly game. It is ugly. There is, like, I actually think one thing to its benefit is that there is nothing going on in the backgrounds. And it's like, well, thank God, because you're going too fast to, like, pay attention to them. But there is, like, next to nothing happening in these backgrounds still. We can't talk about planet aesthetics in this game because it's just yellow or orange or red. A lot of yellow. There's a lot, lot of, of yellow in particular. And like, you know, again, I don't want to shit on it because now I am realizing I do like it more than maybe I had originally implied, but it is not a good looking game. They sacrificed no. the uh, like graphical fidelity for that 60 frames. And I think that was the right choice. It's Given what the hardware the right was capable of. It was 100% the correct choice, but it is very funny that, yeah, you see this great, like, comic book-ish art of, like, all these characters, and then when it actually starts, each fucking, like, every machine from, like, 30 feet away is just a color blob. It's just a single color, and you just see the polygons get more detailed as you get closer. Um, I do, again, yeah, right choice. But there is something, and also the tracks are very simple. Well, the tracks look very simple. Uh, I do think it's almost remarkable just how much this is a souped-up version of SNES F-Zero. Yes. Like, it basically is like, what if we just did that, but on the the Nintendo 64 this time? Whereas, like, Ocarina would, like, redefine that whole series. This is like, what if we just did that, but, like, the new console? Not to get too much into Ocarina, but Ocarina was also very much, like... It was in that um, Link to the Past mold kind of made 3D. And I feel like that's the same like reasoning here for translating F-Zero to 3D. It's like, let's just do what works on the Super Nintendo, but translate it into a 3D environment. And now that we have 3D, what can we do? Loop-de-loops. Right. Um, tunnels. Mm-hmm. Cylinders. <laughs> and- Bro, fucking cylinders. They Some guy was doing coke in the, in the EAD office, and he's like, yo fucking cylinders though every course should have a cylinder everything should have a fucking cylinder in this game and you know what though he's fucking right because when i play an f-zero x when i play in a futuristic racer i want to go up and down a fucking cylinder yes exactly so let's get into the setting of f-zero so right away i have a physical copy of the manual here not to i see that brag or anything uh no go I, ahead and brag you i love the <laughs> That the opening pages of the manual are basically framing this whole booklet as the rule book for F-Zero. That's pretty good. Like, it gives you, like, notifications and pilot notifications. So the story here is that the F-Zero tournament was canceled due to... The Japanese book calls it a great accident, or in the U.S. manual, it's 
many great accidents. Yeah, because... That led to F-Zero being canceled. You, you, you know something funny is, and again, this is skipping ahead a bit, but in F-Zero GX, uh, they always refer to an accident four years ago, and I thought for sure, oh, that has to be referring to the N64 F-Zero game, and it isn't. It's just referring to an accident, and F-Zero GX takes place one year after F-Zero X. Yeah, so... Because F-Zero X says it was three years ago. So, in F-Zero X canon three years ago, there was a great accident on the track, which canceled everything. So, they brought back F-Zero due to fan outcry. They did away with the bumpers. They limited it to 30 racers on the track at a time. For, quote-unquote, like, safety reasons? It is so fucking funny that they did away with the bumpers canonically. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. Uh, it says, We have changed the competition's name to the F-Zero X GP and have revised the rules and regulations. Here's to the return of great competition. We wish you all success. I mean, okay, first off, do you think that, like, do you think that when they're having kids do, like, F-Zero, you know, death races, it's like a bowling alley where you could turn the bumpers on for the kids? Uh, <laughs> but, like, when it's the adults racing, you're like, no, this is where this is real men doing some racing. Bumpers off. Bumpers off. But it, it is funny that, like, they really emphasize the danger in this one, uh, based on what you just read. But it's not just, like, hyperbole. This is a game where you see other cars explode around you, which is so good. You get a star counter for each of the uh, cars you just straight up kill in this game. Yeah. Well, it's... what was... I forget what track I was doing last night. Uh, again, you know, just practicing. But, like, within the first lap, I see a car in front of me just, like, explode. And then as it, like, the... The, not the carcass, but basically the carcass of the car, almost the body of the car, like almost hit me, you know, as, as it was like exploding. And in that moment, I really connected with this game where I'm like, I am in a death race. I am in a future death race. This fucking rules. Like there are stakes to this. This is amazing. The only thing this needs to really sell it more is if it had the twisted metal, you see the little um guy uh, the 2d driver just run around the track after their vehicles destroyed i think i think there's i mean you can like fall off there's so many areas to fall off in this game yes that i don't know that they were like that's how most people are probably gonna fucking die that's true 100 i mean they that's, do that's how i yeah, died i mean I yeah oh yeah i mean they'd straight up like give you an attack option now which was not in the original you know now you actually literally have an offensive maneuver oh that's right because you have also, with the booklet, they also have a list of maneuvers that you can do in this game. And uh, from your slides, your boost, to your side attack, left side attack, right, to your spin attack, which is never explained how to do in your game. So if you don't know how to do a spin attack, you have to look at this manual to. My- Michael, out how, how do, do you do the spin attack? Because I was trying to do it last night and I couldn't figure it out. You hold Z and R at the same time. And then tap R twice or tap Z twice while holding both. That's terrible. <laughs> yes. That is. I'm not wrong. F-Zero X, they just, they made it simpler, didn't they? I feel like, it, F, oh, sorry, F-Zero GX. I feel like they made it simpler, right? Yeah. The X button did the, like, juke to the left or right, and the Z button did the spin attack. Gotcha. And it's, it's funny that that spin attack, though, is now not iconic, but it's, it's like a part of F-Zero. It is in F-Zero 99. You know, yes. that is retconned into being a part of F-Z- the original F-Zero. But, like, I, I love... I, 
I, I'm looking at some pictures of the instruction manual. Also on all the character bios, not only do they have like the picture you see in the game, which is like their drawn character, but there's pictures of them with their machines. Like I'm seeing one of Mr. EAD with his machine and he's like tying his shoe on one of like, on like the right side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biorex who is like, st- like he's got his arms out from the machine. And he's going like, Hey, like, yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, just a lot of personality in these fucking, in these like little pieces of art. Yeah, all the characters. Wait, what's all, Pico doing? All 30 oh, racers. Oh, Pico looks so cool as fuck. Right. Yeah. He's just chilling on top of Pico's his machine. Pico's relaxed. He's just chilling on top of the wild goose. We got a canonical age for Fucking Pico. Fucking A, dude. 123 Pico's... or so he says, as we'll see in our manuals. Yes. Uh, that uh, yeah. lying about your age is apparently a um, thing in this series. It's a consistent theme. As we'll learn in the next game, it's very it's very weird. So let's get into some of like, but yeah, uh, I mean, like racers lore here because there's a lot of crossing over story. There's like three or four stories happening at once, and certain characters have like rival set rivalries with other characters. Which, when we talk about the gameplay, yeah. it very much plays into the rival system of this game, which is like the main oh hundred percent because I'm sticking point to compare it to the original F zero. I mean like I'm literally looking I just did at, like at kind of as a random one, just looking at Zoda, his profile specifically cites like beefs with Captain Falcon and like uh Super Arrow and Mrs. Arrow or whatever. Right. Uh, and so yeah they you're right, they they've got multiple stories going on now. Yeah, and like if you look at like Super Arrow's story, he's a like race he's a superhero racer going after zoda but he also has his wife on the track mrs zero who they directly point at point out that she's the more experienced like racer so yeah it really fleshes out these characters you have blood falcon who they just say was created by black shadow blood falcon is an exact duplicate of captain falcon well almost blood falcon is very very evil so it also establishes that cloning is a thing in this universe and you can make a perfect race yeah blood falcon is sort of like blood falcon is the weird one that comes out of nowhere like we created an evil captain falcon and it's like wait so how much how much importance does captain falcon have i thought he was just a guy but no, apparently he's someone that's like he's important enough to clone, uh, and like I gotta be There's honest, so much weight given to Captain Falcon as like we go more forward with the series. Like he evolves from like a bounty hunter to a straight up superhero. Yeah, like in I'm looking at the Black Shadow profile. First of all, age unknown it says the King of Evil. Black Shadow strikes fear in the hearts of everyone. Blah blah blah. His goal is to destroy Captain Falcon in front of millions of viewers, which is awesome. so like he's got that going on. I I gotta say, Black Shadow. This is one thing against F Zero. They like he is positioned as like the main villain, and I don't particularly care for his design. I think Zoda is a much better villain design. Like Zoda is just wacky and weird. Yeah. Maybe I'm crazy for that, but I prefer Zoda as a as an F Zero villain. No, Black Shadow. I think you're right. We also have like really cool alien designs. Like we got Biorex, and we have Billy, who was is the first monkey. I love Billy. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no, one of my favorite dudes, sorry, I'm just seeing over here, the skull. Yeah. He's literally just, like, he's resurrected, he's just a, a skeleton, and he's, like, resurrected through magic, so again, magic is real in, in the F-Zero universe. The lore, the lore implications in just the profiles of F-Zero X are insanity. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah, and, and none of this, like, 
Again, none of this is actually played out within F-Zero-X the game. It's just something you can learn. And you it just it, it does make it feel more alive. Yes. It makes the game feel... It just makes the world feel denser in a in a good way. And, like... Uh, it makes you connect to each of the, pil- the pilots on the track. It makes you realize, oh, he's getting up on me. We have a history. I want to knock it, out this dude on the racetrack. Yeah, so it's not just... Yeah, you're not just picking a machine. In some cases, you are picking a person. Because you like, you know, you like that person. And sometimes there's, like, not joke characters per se, but, like, you've got Sil- Silver Nielsen, who is, like, the old man. Uh, and he's, like, about to die, basically, but he still competes in F-Zero. He's uh, uh, resentful of the newer machines. The other racers are avoiding him. It's my favorite bit in the manual yeah. about him. It's it. It's also funny that Mighty Gazelle has never had a major part in the story, but, Michael, I swear to God, and you can testify to this because you just saw the Japanese box art, they have really pushed Mighty Gazelle since F-Zero X. Like, He's so they, cool They again. really put him... Yeah, because I think people just like the idea of, like, Guy got injured in F-Zero race, came back as Cyborg. But, like, they really push Mighty Gazelle a lot. It's kind of funny to me that, like, for a guy who has not actually been important in the little story there is, they're like, yeah, but everyone, this guy's cool as shit. And let's talk, let's touch briefly on Jody Summer here. She becomes, like, the main female protagonist of F-Zero, like a secondary protagonist. 100%. She's the main female lead. She's the main female lead. And it's we'll talk about this more next time them trying to figure out what to do with jody to make her relevant is insane in some it's aspects. never good it's never it's, good. it's it's always bad it's never worked i'm sorry it is it, gp legend will go fucking yeah they I don't, they talk don't about know that really yet. what to do <laughs> yeah i know i know that's why i just said but like but like you said they are going to push her as like the the female co-lead it is not going to work it's yeah, it's wild. So all we have here for Jody is Jody is uh one of the top rookie pilots in the circuit. While Jody doesn't have much experience, many see her as a dark horse. And that's it with her. We'll get a lot more with her as we go along. Yeah. And also strong female character, and then you get John Tanaka who literally is like, Yeah, he's basically just there to protect Jody, and it's like, Well what the fuck is she doing? Like what is what is this dynamic they've got going on right. there? Oh, yeah, because he's a member of, like, the Galactic Federation, which uh, is very different from the Galactic Federation and Metroid. They're not the same Galactic Federation, despite the fact that their universe is also Right, and it's also different than pirates. the Federation in, in Star Trek. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff going... Yeah, you're right. It's basically the same fucking... I like that Nintendo is big on, like, well, we need, like, crazy weird people in space. Just call them bounty hunters. That's That's the term we're going to use. Because uh, I don't know if you heard, like, when, when they were, uh, you know, Retro made Metroid Prime, and for one of the later games, I think 3, they were pitching, like, oh, well, we could have Samus do, like, some actual bounty hunting, and Nintendo's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and they're like, well, yeah, you guys made her a bounty hunter, she could do some actual bounty hunting, and they're like, that's not, wait, that's what a bounty hunter is? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, what do you think? They just, they were like, we thought it was just, like, space adventurer. We didn't think, like, <laughs> it was hunting down people for money. So they're very coy now about calling her a bounty hunter because it is like, wait, we didn't think, like, we thought she was just having misadventures on space, not like she gets hired to take people in alive or dead. They make her, she's basically a mercenary doing contracts for, like, government agents. Mercenary would be a much better term to describe her because I think in Dread they've come the closest to referencing, but she was like, I did this job for the money. 
or they she calls like yeah, cutting down a Metroid a bounty. Specifically, I'm like, that's a stretch. Yeah, the the <laughs> computer specifically refers to it as a bounty, and I think that was them trying to you're right square the circle between what they want her to be versus like that she has been identified as a bounty hunter for 30 years. We have two racers here that sort of uh, tie us into other Nintendo franchises. We have uh, the aforementioned Mr. EAD who has a star man on his belt, not star man from like earthbound, but like uh, a Mario star on his belt. Um, I want to say there's like other references to Nintendo properties here, but he definitely has a mustache face. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much Mario face. His face is very much supposed to be Mario. He was a cyborg developed by a mysterious development group. His purpose for racing is to test his IQ and debug his man-made programming. Get it? Probably the most famous Nintendo reference here is James McCloud, who's the same name as uh, Star Fox's father. Uh, James McCloud is a hired ranger and the leader of the Galaxy Dogs. He remodeled his ship's uh, fighter in F Zero into an F Zero machine. McCloud is in this Grand Prix for one reason: money. And his um, spaceship kind of looks like a remodeled R wing. It has the same like color aesthetic. So we got a loose yeah. connection also his, to Star Fox. Yeah, here. his his clothes his clothes are directly the Star Fox clothes. And he's wearing sunglasses like. Um, and every time we see a flashback of Fox McCloud's dad, he always had like aviator sunglasses on. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, I feel like that covers. I mean, obviously, there's others. There's like you got Michael Chain in here. Chain. Uh, but I feel like that covers a lot of the big. Oh yeah, I know it is. <laughs> I love that fucking. Thing. <laughs> you got Gomar and Chio, who are like this. They're like dual racers. They race together because they're basically like one person. Um, and yeah, you got. Yeah, I, I think, like, you get the point, right, like, listener, because it's just that you get a lot more fun, uh, weird future guys. And also, this doesn't feel like we're creating, like, fucking, I don't know, spin-off characters or mascots. It's like, I don't know, just throw, fucking throw anything at it. Like, just weird ideas. There's a dinosaur. He likes to race. Don't worry what about it. What if a guy it? was a skull? <laughs> yeah. God. So... Like, Leon, in particular, feels like, you know, my OC don't steal. Because <laughs> there's nothing going on with him besides he's like a fucking fox man. Yes, exactly. The 16 year old fox man who can race machines. The fact that he's a teenager really makes him feel my OC don't steal. <laughs> man, I, I love this game so much. Uh, so that's the story. Yeah. The story set up in the racers. So, um, my game notes here. The vibe of F Zero changes here, and it gets its own unique style. The new boost system, 30 racers, rival system, and a ranking system where it's not just clearing tracks within a set number of lives to get to the end. Now, each race is sort of like it's interconnected with each other. They're not isolated anymore. And the rival system comes into play with that where the person right in front of you or if you're at the top right behind you on the leaderboard is your rival. And so it paints a picture of someone on the track that you need to take out or at least be a better than in order to advance in the rankings or to keep your current ranking. Yep. Which I, I think again, it, it leans F zero X from the moment that guitar riff comes on screen. This game is like, this is a more aggressive F zero. This is, and I think the rival system really helps with that because you are given direct incentive to take out your opponents uh, as well as having this attack, of course. And the fact that, like, you can see through each level, like, 
Because I think your opponents, despite you having to, like, start the track over, if your opponents are, uh, you know, forced out, like, if you kill them or whatever, they're actually back in the next race, but they'll get zero points for that race. So suddenly that rival is no longer a rival because you just knocked out. There's no way they're going to come back from that. They become a non-factor. So if you wipe out someone who's at the top of the rankings, that can really help you, especially if you do well on that race. And you're also seeing, because in the first F-Zero, there's no indication that other cars are not doing good. Whereas this, uh, just like you, they'll be blinking red if they're vulnerable, and you'll be like, I bet I can get a fucking sweet, just one hit in here mm-hmm. and take this guy out. So this- the more I'm talking about it, the more I'm coming, I'm coming to it. Although... I will say uh, it does suffer from the same problem that all the N64 racers suffered, which is, well, for the multiplayer specifically, that it was like, well, we can have four people at the cost of having no other people. Yeah. You know, it is like, and it is the whole like, well, you can have fucking four people racing, but you will be the only four on the track. And F0X is very much dependent on that, cha- say, chaotic 30 racers piling up on each other on tight turns. In order for it to yeah. be a lot of fun. And so I I think, yeah, I honestly don't think the multiplayer of F-Zero X is that great. Because, yeah, I think you need these tracks to be crowded. Mm-hmm. Like, it needs to feel, like, again, Death Race. I, I agree completely. There, the only slight bit of story we get in this game is some of the character stuff at the end. Yeah, at the end of the Grand Prix, you get a sort of... Um, they um do fireworks a firework jpeg of a the racer with like one line of dialogue at the yeah. end and that's kind of like where we get our story. i didn't have the uh, i didn't think to like look up all of what all of those say but um to transition to our favorite stuff my machine of choice in this game was the green panther uh antonio guster who was Goro's right-hand man until Goro betrayed him. So his last line of dialogue for this game was like, I'll get you, Goro! And that's basically it. Antonio Guster is such a fucking poser. <laughs> Just absolute dweeb. Yes. I do not care for that man. So that's the thing. There's certain cars and like people where I'm like, I fucking hate this guy. I don't want to be him mm-hmm. uh, because of that. Uh, I, yeah, I don't like his look, I, but I his really... car was easy for me to wrap my head around, and I won more Grand Prix with him than any other car I experimented with. I gotcha. Um, I actually really like Jack Levin's car, the Astro Robin. Uh, I thought that was a fun one. I actually, of all cars, well, these are also two characters. I love Roger Buster and uh, Drac, because they're just like two delivery guys who took up F-Zero racing like as a side hustle. And I like that they're just two bros. And Drac is like a big, weird, pink alien, kind of like Kilowog from Green Lantern. And Roger Buster is just like a fucking, uh, like, jacked, bald dude from, like, the city or whatever. Uh, and I'm a big fan of their aesthetic. He looks like Jet Black from Cowboy Bebop. I have not seen Cowboy Bebop, unfortunately, but I will take your word for it. Yeah. Uh, and I apologize for any listeners that we have lost because I just said that. But, like, I'm going to watch it one day. Um you know what? I'm going to watch the live action Netflix one just to spite everybody. That's please the version I'm going to watch. Don't, but please. No. Um, I I will watch it. Anyway, Roger Buster. I, I like that car as well. And I like, I think they're named similar. Like Roger Buster's car. Yeah. His is the Mighty Hurricane and Drax is the Mighty Typhoon. Uh, uh, so I like both of those guys. I'm normally not a fan of cars with like really shitty uh like body because i constantly get hurt but i do like mighty gazelle and his car um 
I like Baya Gazelle as well. Yeah. But, I mean, my boy, it's still Pico. It's still Pico. Oh, one other thing I want to say that it's like, I do think it is unfortunate that uh, they have uh, Blood Falcon, who is like the more evil Captain Falcon, and they give him like the shittiest car. He <laughs> Terrible turning and B-body. But he has really good boosting. But that doesn't mean anything if your car explodes in like two hits. Yeah. Uh, I think the worst car, the one that I just never even went with, is uh, Dr. Octavius. Oh, excuse me. Dr. Clash and the Crazy Bear. It just looks like Dr. Otto Octavius from Spider-Man. But His car has eyes on it, though. I'm not a fan. <laughs> it does have eyes, but like it's so goofy. It's, but I don't know. Mm, maybe I don't hate it as much, but I never really liked it. I'll say that much. So... Getting the things he liked. Uh, what are your favorite tracks in F Zero X? So I don't love a lot of the tracks in this game, but I will say that like here here are two notes I have, and this was from playing or replaying the first cup last night. I replayed every course last night. I wanted to make sure I had F Zero X in particular down. So uh, I will just say here are two notes I wrote, and this is from the first Grand Prix. Sandpipe is what F Zero is all about, and then uh, my next note. Uh, first big blue course is what F-Zero is all about. Because yeah. basically, <laughs> Sandpipe is an internal pipe. Like, you're going... I think this, they really embrace... Like you said, with the loop-de-loops, they really embrace the 3D. But they also embrace, embrace the gravity stuff. So, with Sandpipe, you are literally inside a pipe. And you can go up on all the walls of the pipe. And for the first big blue course, it is the outside of a pipe. So, you are... Like, I love playing with the gravity on that one because mm-hmm. you can go so fast that you accidentally launch yourself off and into the uh, great big void. But it's fun to just, yeah, you can, like, circle this whole pipe, barely even, like, running into anybody because you just have so many options. Oh, for sure. Like, uh, it, and it creates, like, strategy there for, like, your positioning. Like, you can go fast on the cylinder, but if you're on the, like, inside of the turn, you can go really fast. If you're on the outside, like you said, you'll launch yourself straight off. My, I have a few favorite yeah. tracks here. I really like the interpretation of Firefield here. I like that it just launches Firefield's you cool. into a zigzag of death. So you got to line up your positioning yep. during that jump. And Mute City 2 is really good. I like the jump mid-tracks as you can easily just like knock dudes off while you're going in that mid-air jump. Uh, Space mm-hmm. Plant and Sector B, the dumber, the double somersault track, I think is really cool. Right. I, I I remember Sector B. Um, well, it's funny you mentioned Mute City 2's jumps. What I like is Mute City 3's subtitle is uh, Jumps of Doom. And it basically is like, no, don't do the jumps. You are <laughs> most likely going to kill yourself if you do the jumps. It's, it is actually telling you, like, try to avoid the jumps on this one. Because it can only hurt you. Um, I also really liked uh, Devil's Forest 3, which... Uh, funny enough, that's not the sand planet, but that's the one where they had like a big skeleton in the background. But right. Devil's Forest Three is, yeah, that's the one where uh, the gimmick is that like the course does a one eighty onto itself in terms of like you'll be flat, and if you look up, you're seeing other people behind you like race. The court like loops or course loops in on itself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I think it's called like the mirror trick. Yeah, so from the bottom, you'll look up and see people like who are behind or ahead of you. Uh, oh, right, this that, again, one. They're just playing with the gravity. Yeah, they're just playing with the gravity aspect of it. That one's so cool, too. And there's a few tracks like yeah, that that's... in GX that do that. 
where you're but you're racing simultaneously and it's so cool I yeah tracks that do i think that. this was the first one they really went with that and i thought it was great yeah Oh, absolutely. Because um, I think a problem that F-Zero can have is that, especially when you do take the other cars out um, from the first one, is that it can feel like when you're in first and you're doing really well, like, well, what's behind me? Like, is there anything? Like, it's just wide stretches sometimes, as we'll talk about in the next game. But it's just, like, really long stretches of nothing. And that course is so fun to be like, no, they're still racing. Like, the race is happening, even if you don't see it. Mm-hmm. And uh... Uh, as far as final boss course goes... Um, I just got to know, what do you think of Big Hand? I hate Big Hand. Terrible track. I love Big Hand. It's I hate so it goofy. so much. I hate it. It's so dumb. I love uh. Big Hand. <laughs> what if a course... The, the premise of that course is just, what if a course was a hand? That's just it. It's, like, it's so stupid. I'm a big fan of Big Hand. <laughs> I hate Big Hand. That's, that's literally on my worst track. So let's transition to worst tracks. Besides Big Hand, my other least favorite one is Whiteland 2, also known as Halfpipe. Michael, I put Whiteland 2 as my worst track in that game. Oh, God, Because I, I, I think that is, it's, yeah. Or wait, no, what? not Whiteland 2, sorry, Whiteland 1. I think Whiteland 2 is actually kind of, that's the goofy Halfpipe, right? Yeah, White, Whiteland 2 I kinda, is Halfpipe. I guess maybe this is a difference between you and me. I want the tracks to be dumber sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, how can we make this track even dumber? But I, like... I think Whiteland in general, well, I, I think... With this white land, I just thought there were too many sharp turns that just feel like completely unavoidable. Yeah, yeah, the white land courses are definitely like the weakest uh, courses I think in this game. White land too. I appreciate how dumb it is. It's just so easy to fall off. Like I lost all my lives on it, it, white land. Too. It it made me like seasick because you're not even moving that fast because you're just turning so much. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. It's, it's very dumb. Yeah, it's. It, I don't blame you for picking that one, even if I enjoy it. Uh, what was your machine of choice? Mine, as mentioned, was uh, Green Panther. Even though it has probably the like worst story and worst car, I found myself winning it's, a lot. It's with fine. It. Um, I'm not gonna lie, man. It's it's my boy Pico. It's the Wild Goose. Although I do, like I said, I like the Jack Levin one, the Robin, whatever it was, and I like uh, Bio Rex's Big Fang as well. We also got to mention honorable mention for best track. The X Cup. No, X Cup sucks. I did it again last night, and I'm like... I love X Cup. It's so stupid. Okay, so just to be clear, listener, if you don't want to know what the I, X Cup this is... is the, this is the dumb gimmick see, I See, I thought this dumb gimmick was boring. I like the dumb gimmicks that are exciting. This was <laughs> the... Uh, the X Cup is entirely randomly generated tracks. Yes. And maybe it's just my luck. I get the most boring fucking tracks. It's... They're just like straight lines. Sometimes you get one like that, but then sometimes you get one that's like... The computer it doesn't know how to navigate the track, so you'll end up in instances where you're the only racer to finish because they added like a sharp turn in there that, that is everyone true. just careens off the side, which is a lot of fun. So the X Cup is probably one of the easier cups to max out and beat. It's probably the easiest cup because some of the uh, CPU shenanigans that can happen on it is fun, but it's just a really cool thing having a randomly generated track here, and it's really awesome. Yeah, not a fan. Okay, <laughs> just that's that's me. They they were trying something, I suppose. Um, by what? the way, they also have what is like actual death race, which is like the mode where you're just supposed to kill the other fucking yeah machines. I didn't play that in time for uh, this like revisit. I don't re- recall liking it though. It's fine. It's just a loop to loop. It's it's fun to do once and then go. That was a neat thing, and then move on. 
It's what gotcha. I thought F zero ninety nine was like going to be, but then they actually made it racist. Mm-hmm. But okay, oh, yeah. best F-099 music track. Fucking rips. What is your favorite music track in this game? Oh fuck! I think I didn't write it down, but whatever it is that plays on Big Hand, <laughs> it's like it is a. Well, the problem is, um, well, I've, uh, well, for the record, actually, I guess it would be Big Blue. I know this is the generic choice, but yeah, there's another sick Big Blue theme. What you yeah? Know, what do you want from me? Um, I, yeah. There's, I do find the music in this game is less memorable to me than I... even some of the weirder stuff in GX. I don't maybe maybe less memorable, but I think some of these songs rip. Like the one that plays on silence, uh, the song's called Dream Chaser. Just starts with that sick synthesizer with like the screeching guitar on top of it. I love that track so much. Anything that uses like the synthesizer and guitars together, I'm just a huge fan of. That's just my music taste in general, but more synthesizers. (laughs) And then the results track. Is Wait, which track? Sorry. The the results screen, like the Grand Prix results, is so good. Oh, I would like that if you didn't, if you could fucking skip it. I don't know. That, Am I that crazy? Song I just, thought it was unskippable. It is, no, I mean, I don't mind not being able to skip it because that track rips so hard. I love it so much. I love the music. Wait, are we just, talking uh, like when the Grand Prix is over or just the one after each race? When the Grand Prix is over, that final. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I can't. I can't back you up there. Man, I, I don't know. I love that song so much. Also, I want to uh, mention the sound design in this game, especially the three, two, one race and the robotic voice. Oh right yeah, when the, right love when the drums voice. kick in for the songs, it's so good. No, big fan. Like again, there is a lot I like about this game. It's just funny that like, I think. GX will so outclass it that it's just kind of a uh, a just a less I have less de- desire to return to this point in the series. Yes, but I that's just me. Think of the opposite. Uh, this is a top three Nintendo sixty four game for me. Wow, <laughs> I love this game. Okay, it rules so hard. Maybe top five. I'll have to sit down and think. But yeah, you. You got to get on fucking Kirby and the Crystal Stars, man. You got to get on top of that shit. It's that that one goes too slow. I don't know. It does Kirby. go very slow. I wanted to just pick a random game. I wouldn't put that in the top three. Yeah. Okay. I was <laughs> okay. I was about to say if you really want to defend Kirby sixty four, I'm like that game moves so freaking slow. It's ridiculous. No, I think it's I think it's fine. It's not bad, but I think it's just kind of fine. Anyway, enough of our Kirby talk. Yeah. For, let's uh, get... F zero. There's no no Kirby connections in any of these games that I've noticed. Not that I've seen, but uh, real quick, want to touch on this thing. In Japan only, for the Nintendo 64 disk drive, it was, a, right. real quick, it was a failed peripheral for the Super Nintendo that allowed for discs. It had additional cartridge slot. So, um, they got an expansion pack for F-Zero X over there, which included two DD cups. Pause for laughter. Yeah, move on. We're we're moving on. Um, we're moving on. Uh, the, I'll tell you where the I'll tell you where the DD cups were. They were on that title <laughs> screen when you press start and you see all the lady holding the GP sign. You know what I'm saying? Fucking all right, everybody. You can't cancel me. You can't <laughs> cancel me for this. All right. Um, this includes some tracks with uh, some interesting layouts. There's just a course called X, like the X cups, except it um is an actual like 
outlined X. Like, looks like the new Twitter logo and everything. I remember this now. I remember yes. seeing, like, footage of this. You have, yeah. instead, the final race is not Big Hand, it's Big Foot. It's a... <laughs> And it's called even sharper current turns. <laughs> Fuck it, yes. I gotta get on. I gotta get on top of this DD expansion shit. Uh, they also include two modes that we didn't get over here in any F Zero game in the West. Build a machine. Oh no, never mind. We got build a machine in F Zero GX. But the course designer, which was based on the tool that they used to actually make the courses in the game. So you basically got this right, developer which is level. Pretty neat course designer, which is really cool. And it's a shame we never yeah. got over here. I keep waiting for the day Nintendo's just like on the Japanese only version of the Nintendo Switch Online for Nintendo 64. They're just like, yeah, here's the expansion pack. I doubt they'll ever do oh, it. Oh, I'm I, man. <laughs> Listen, I'm still waiting for the day Nintendo was going to fucking release the Virtual Boy catalog on the 3DS. And that never fucking happened. Oh, my God. Next, we have another game on the Nintendo 64. And this was our first, like, appearance of Captain Falcon outside of this series. It's what he's most well-known for, sadly. It's time to talk about Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers released in 1999 and featured Captain Falcon as an unlockable fighter. Uh, all this information I'm reading is taken from the Smash Brothers wiki. Thank you, Smash Brothers wiki editors. His design is based off his appearance from F-Zero X, and his moveset is original to the game. His neutral special is the famous Falcon Punch, which has a considerable amount of startup lag with extremely high kickback and damage output to compensate. His attacks are very fast and overall can combo into each other well. Captain Falcon currently lies in the A tier of the Super Smash Bros. tier list in third place. The victory theme from Captain Falcon is a Techno Rock remix of the end of racetrack heard in F-Zero X. Oh. I gotta be honest, Michael. I do we know why why they chose Captain Falcon? I do like, not know. He mo my guess is he most likely resembled the like skeletal structure of the um original plan for Smash Bros., which was just to be a fighting game with like polygonal characters. And if you look at his body type in that game, he looks kind of similar to what those original fighters were. So maybe it was just a, hey, we can put Captain Falcon on this and don't have to change much. Well, I do know for a fact that he was based off of Samus. Like, kind of in the same way Jigglypuff was taken from Kirby as, like, a base. Uh, Captain Falcon was loosely taken from Samus in terms of, like, sense. the body. I think they were like, well, we, need, we have another tall humanoid character. Um... And I think they even have a couple of the same moves, not the special moves, but I think a couple of their punches and kicks are actually like exactly the same. I'm thinking of um, like how Samus has like this kind of cross arm thing, like she goes to, from an uppercut to like a like brings the hammer down. I think Captain Falcon has a similar thing before he gets into his like straight up punch combo. Right, and I believe uh, Captain Falcon. So Falcon punches from this game. Yes, I don't think he's the only character to have spoken audio. But maybe, I mean, the Pokemon have their names, but like... Fox has a hi-ya! might be the only... Oh yeah, you're right, Fox technically did. Um, but he does say, but Falcon Punch and uh, Show Me Your Moves both come from this game. Which, again, were creations entirely original to this game. They do not come from even any of like the instruction manuals or anything. And in part this two... This was entirely... Yeah, we'll go into, like, Melee, right, in part two? Not just Melee, but how, sort of, Smash Brothers works its way back into the main series. Yes, and which is very fun to me, the ways that, yeah. It's, 
Yeah. Uh, what, yeah exactly. We got to save that talk. We're, I know we're running long anyway. We still have a game to cover. Yep. But like, we'll be quick with this next one. <laughs> I, I would say there's not. Yeah, but well, yeah, and you know, we know why because it's not great. Anyway, not spoilers. But like, I I do think Captain Falcon, he and Ness do have the problem in the in um in the Nintendo sixty four Smash that neither of them has a stage, and I, I say that problem. Obviously, this only benefited the characters uh, being included in Smash. I mean, Ness was straight up the Earthbound fandom. I'm sorry, a lot of it comes from Smash Brothers. A lot of it just comes from Ness being in Smash Brothers, which creates much more awareness. I would argue the same for Captain Falcon with F-Zero. And I do think he's a fun character in F-Zero, but it is kind of wild that, like, you know, you think about... I, I think uh, recently I was looking at, like... This is something I did myself, I don't know why. I saw the Super Smash Brothers Melee character select screen versus uh, Smash Ultimate, even before the DLC in Smash Ultimate. And just how fucking wild it is. That Melee, at the time, I'm like, I don't know if we'll ever top this. I don't know if we'll ever be able to, like, get this many, like, Nintendo characters in a game. Um, and then Brawl, of course, would do, like, Sonic, and it's like, well, we're never topping getting Sonic in a Smash Brothers game. That that simply will not happen. And Do we got Cloud you know, and You know, I fucking jump. <laughs> yeah, well, the fact that it ended recently with Sora was just, like, the pinnacle. It's like, we can't, what more is there? What more is there realistically that can be done? Because he was the one where it's like, realistically, this will probably never happen, even though technically he fits the requirements. And it's like, nope, they did it. So anyway, sorry for the Smash Brothers tangent. But like, what I'm trying to get at is think of the roster for Super Smash Brothers 1, how few characters they actually like pulled from. That they were pulling from like a guy who is only known for driving a car. Most people probably wouldn't even, even if they played those games, would not be able to name the character. Right? Right. Uh... So it's just kind of odd, I feel. Uh, not odd in a bad way. Again, just like, very bold choice to put Captain Falcon in there. And as you said, we'll touch on it more, but the fact that he's so associated now with Smash Brothers, just based on, I would love if we can find an interview with Sakurai or whoever, why they put him in there, but it feels like it was like a lark. It was <laughs> like, eh, fuck it, this guy. I, yeah, I'm willing to bet it was because of the like character model similarities to the stuff they were already working with. I don't think it'll go much deeper than that, yeah. sadly. But now we move on to the Game Boy Advance for the final game we're going to be talking about today, F-Zero Maximum Velocity. And this is notable because uh, Kazunobu uh, Shimizu, who was the game director of the first game, he comes back to direct this one. And this is the first game developed by ND Cube, which would later become synonymous with Nintendo's more casual ventures. And for development, they use a scaling and rotation of the bitmap graphics to reproduce Mode Seven effect the the F, the Mode Seven effects of the original Super Nintendo. Okay, um, let's just get out of the way. I kind of spoiled it, so I'm sorry. It's not a surprise. Michael, you and I did not care for this game. I really did not like Maximum Velocity. Was this your first time playing it? Yes. Okay, I had played it a couple years before. In fact, I'm embarrassed to say why, but I played it on uh, the Wii U Virtual Console, right? I wanted to like, I was like, oh, okay, let's uh, let's try this because it's the only F Zero game released in the West that I haven't played, and I played it, and I was not impressed, but I didn't really know why, and I think you and I have talked a little bit before this podcast, and we're kind of trying to figure out why this does not work in some way. Yeah, I think most of my problems with this game 
uh, is because of the control system. I think this game just using the default machine, which may have been my um, problem picking the default machine, think it would be the most balanced for this game. Just feels like it's constantly sliding on ice, which makes matters worse when you actually have to slide on ice. Mm -hmm. So you're sliding all over the place. You the can't... physics are wild in this. It does not feel good to play. Uh, the end of race music is pretty lame and unmemorable. Um, when you're... It does this thing where when you're low on power, you move slower. So the less energy you have, the slower your vehicle goes in a racing game. To the point where if you're... Mm -hmm. And if you're at zero health, then just keep going. Your car will just randomly explode without touching anything. It's... And my other side of the main problem is, well, I think these races for 2D uh, single-plane F-Zero are way too long. These all feel like firefield-length racetracks. And this is a mobile game. This is a game made for a, hand, a portable handheld. And you have longer tracks than the Super Nintendo. Yeah, and, you know, I really, like... We were talking about, I, I made the point, F-Zero X, like, oh, it's just the first game, but on the N64, what it was capable of. This is kind of remarkable to me in the sense that this feels like F-Zero 2, but worse. Like, it really just feels like it. it, it is a straight-up sequel to the Super Nintendo game, which it is. Uh, it's very clearly supposed to be. But, it, for, like, one notable thing is, you know, they immediately go back to the old boost system. So we're already, like, disregarding stuff that, like, F-Zero X... Uh, had actually like improved on in my opinion. Did we talk much about the boost system in X, by the way? Oh, we did not. I I just want to touch on that, which to me that changes the game and redefines like the uh, intensity of it. The idea that your boost is now tied to your health was just one of the best decisions they made. The risk reward because it just it has you. Yeah, you're constantly weighing that. And again, where I said F Zero X is more aggressive, that's part of it. Is like. Well, if I use a boost, I'm going to have less health, but I also know a fucking uh, healing thing is coming up. But also, like, if I know this track is hard and I keep bumping into shit, do I need to not boost because I need to have health that's going to survive this? Just a lot more to consider yes. with that new system. You're weighing every single situation and determining on the moment-to-moment -moment basis, do I boost or do I not boost? And it works so well. And the fact that they go back to the Super Nintendo version for the of boost for this game just is kind of sad it is and it just all right so here's a big thing like don't judge a book by its cover except i think sometimes you can and in this case these machines look like shit this was a bad they i don't know what happened they're so boring they don't look good uh they're really boring and i think some of the descriptions in the manual indicates that they were based on like 70s cars i'm sorry that just didn't work out yeah. Like, I think that the first, the main car, the Hot Violet, like, immediately, first of all, all these cars have, like, flames and shit, which it, it comes off as, like, kind of a try-hard thing. Like, hot rods and but stuff. But, like, yeah, I just, I, it really did not work for me. They all feel too wide. Like, if, I, I just feel like they didn't feel futuristic in a, in a cool, I mean, I guess they are because they're, like, floating or whatever, but I, I feel like all the ones in the original are either sleek or rounded or there's something whereas these all feel 
just kind of mashed together. It feels like the store brand version of F-Zero. It doesn't feel like F-Zero. I'll tell you why I think this backfired. is because they based it on more real-life designs. Go back to the original F-Zero. It's based on Batman. Very, like, yeah. uh, impractical aesthetic, which is why those cars look freaking awesome. Here is based on, like, real car designs. And because of that, they just look uninspired and boring. Each of the cars is, like, headlights, look like jalopies and stuff that's what it is a jalopy thank you for the word yes it looks like a jalopy it's so boring this yeah i mean i'm looking at the third car the jb crystal when you drive that yeah when you drive the jb crystal it looks like you're driving a fucking volkswagen beetle and unless this is fucking you know underrated n64 classic beetle adventure racing i don't want to feel like i'm driving a fucking beetle uh in in my like futuristic racing game no it just misses the mark on everything that makes f-zero great is why i don't like maximum velocity yeah i think so there's gameplay stuff that we've hinted at but i know we'll get into more but i just think that sometimes when we talk about games in like the abstract i think we actually try to not emphasize the aesthetics and we talk about like game design and stuff the actual play mechanics sometimes aesthetics are really important and F-Zero, one of the reasons why that game worked is because it's aesthetics against, I hate that word, it, but like, it just applies. All this design in that game just was great. It all looked great, um, and it felt great, and it sounded great, and nothing really comes close to that in this. And I also, just a quick note, and we could talk about these characters because, they first of all, they never came back, but <laughs> these are all new characters. I think it takes place 25 years after F-Zero. That was the idea. Yeah, 25 years um, later. So it's basically F-Zero, the next generation. And the plot synopsis reads exactly like the plot, the opening crawl for the Phantom Menace in terms of, like, the space economy has grew very fast to the point where trade routes are attacked oh my by God, pirates. You're right. It yes. talks about trade. I was reading it today and, like, messaging you because I'm like, is this really what they're doing? Yeah. You're right. They're literally talking about like piracy and like not in a cool piracy, just like the trade routes type of shit. You're right. It is literally. Listen, this is like the last. This is the last sentence in the story description. Their conservative business practices put a lot of high-priced space pilots out of work, and so there came a rise in the number of daring men and women looking to get rich quick. The only way left to them as F-Zero pilots. Now I get the ending is fine, but like. Their conservative business practices put a lot of space pilots out of work. Why are we talking about this in an F-Zero game? This is a game about high-speed death races with superheroes and animated skeletons. And you're talking about, like, capitalism. What are you doing? Yeah, and not, like, I'm... Yeah, and this isn't, by the way, this isn't some fucking Marx treatise on capitalism either. (laughs) You know, this is just stupid fucking, like... um, No, it's just dumb as shit. But it's like, I... Pico's an assassin, maybe, right? Samurai Goro might have stolen his machine. Dr. Stewart, like, got is a rich boy who got his machine from his father. Like, these are all you need. Because I'm actually looking at the character profiles. Again, none of these characters never came back. Maybe, and this is just speculation, maybe it's because in the first game you have a guy named Captain Falcon with an iconic design, and in this game your main character is this lady in a purple jumpsuit named Megan. And that's just it. It's literally just Megan. They even say, like, her last name is unknown. Her name is fucking Megan. No offense to Megan's out there, but god damn it, you do not, like, try to launch your new cast of characters with a hero named fucking Megan. Were they going to do, like, a Force Awakens, like, plot twist with Megan to be like, oh, she's connected to a legacy guy. Like, we're going to find out her last name is Goro. Oh, you're... Or you're, something. Yeah, you're, you're Soda's <laughs> daughter. Yeah, exactly. God help us. 
God fucking help us if that was the plan. Um, but that's not even because Ray sounds like a good character name. Ray is a great character now. Megan is just some fucking chick from the local like Burger King. And now, the, <sighs> anyway, the, the hero of ages—they call him Tim. Yeah, but that's basically what it is. It's just that, like, what is it? Quest sixty four is the game where it's like, ah, yes, this great epic fantasy, and here is our hero, Brian. And that's just like, <laughs> like no, like flair on it. It's just, it's literally just his name is Brian. Um, and then you have Mickey Marcus as like the rival. This guy fucking sucks. This dude. <laughs> is a fucking douche. Female fans adore him, though, because he's always a gentleman. That's in the profile. And then right after him, you get Jane B. Christie, who drives the J.B. Crystal. And this was where I said to Michael, I'm like, wow, that is a provocative character illustration for, like, our new hero. Basically, it's just her in, like, a Skippy outfit, um, standing, like, her foot is over someone else's, like, helmet. Uh, and, and so then we get, uh, we get Nietzsche, quote, the sweep man, who drives the Windwalker? Now this is a Native American, and I told Michael I found out that in Japan his car was actually called the Crazy Horse, which is the name of an actual Native American leader and also a series of strip clubs in the United States. So that's good. <laughs> this Here. game is just cursed, man. This game has <laughs> like it's just there's nothing. There's nothing, like, redeeming about this. I mean, I guess... Okay, so wait, who else do we have? Oh, we have Lord Cyber, who's, like, this Lord Farquaad-looking douche. Um, not really Lord Farquaad. I just kind of stole that. He's, he's blonde hair. He's got, like, a fucking villain from Gundam look to him. He lives in a castle. He does live in a castle, that's which immediately only, makes that's sense. That's the, the coolest most, part of this manual. Yeah. He does live in a castle, and by the way, yeah, his machine looks like dog shit. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> it looks like shit and fucking um he has lots of servants though but the source of his income is unknown which makes him sound like a fucking tommy wiseau like figure <laughs> and then you have uh this guy alex who drives the stingray and what is he's just like a football yeah he's just a former football player and he's just some fucking former football player and he just wears his football gear this was the new batch of heroes to take over this was our fucking like captain picard there's no aliens yeah there's no al there's no aliens it's just the most boring fucking designs and names and like every car looks like shit. And I can't get over just how nothing these characters are. I don't think they've ever made a comeback in anything. I don't think even uh, Smash Ultimate like acknowledged this game, you know, with like with fucking uh, spirits or whatever, where they pulled like th this. I don't think there's any spirits of these dudes. If there were, I wouldn't have known they were. No, you here. would just be like, Alex, what is he from fucking like? I would have guessed fucking, like, I would have seen a football guy. I would have guessed fucking Famicom Wars before F-Zero. Like, this is truly, like, a nothing game. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that's, like, kind of mean. But uh, I'm looking at the reviews, by the way. Just at least a Wikipedia, like, collection of the reviews. Re reviewed very well. So who am I to judge? This I imagine this was a but, Game Boy Advance tech demo in the same way the original F-Zero was. I... I think it was, like, explicitly supposed to be that, um, but it just doesn't work. You know, it just, it really, in fact, yeah, the launch date is the same as the Game Boy Advance launch date. So, yeah, yeah, this was supposed to be that. And it just goes to show you, if it seemed like we were hyping F-Zero a little much, given how simple it is, I just feel like this game is a good example of what that game could have been if it hadn't had so much, uh, like, right decisions made during development. A forgettable tech demo that you look at and goes... That's cool. It um looks really nice, and then you play it for ten seconds and go, "Oh, this is just a really bad like tech demo." 
Whereas F-Zero had so much going for it versus this, which I can't think of. A... I... Let, let's get into it. Your favorites. Uh, what is the best music in this game? Actually, I'll say there's one track I liked. The track for Cloud Carpet I thought was pretty cool. That's it. That's the only track I really cared for. I mean, like, the music. The track even, like, itself. Man, just also a bunch of boring, shitty-looking tracks. Just nothing unique about them. I will not remember any of these fucking planets. Here's a farmland. Uh, like, cool. <laughs> yeah, there's one that's just a big fucking swamp. And yeah. I'm just like, nothing, there's no big blue, you know, there's no fire field, there's no death wind, there's just nothing that feels important about this game, there's nothing that feels, uh, not iconic, because obviously nothing starts out iconic, but like, there's just nothing that I would want to carry <laughs> on further, there is truly nothing, and I'm sorry to all the people who work very hard on this game, it is a tech demo for the Game Boy Advance, which would end up having some of the greatest games Nintendo has ever made, this is not one of them. Also, yeah, why do the cars feel like shit to drive? Why does every turn feel like I'm just sliding on ice? You're right, that's the every single turn feels like you're sliding on ice. Which makes uh, the worst track in this game, they're all bad. My, it's, I say everything, but that mostly that shuttle map, uh, Ancient Mesa, anything with ice, oh my god. So... This is one mm -hmm. that splits off into two directions, all in ice. And then you got to kind of converge to go back to this narrow pathway to sit you back on the track. And you will miss that. If you try to break, you'll just end up sliding in the opposite direction of what you need to go. So you have to physically stop your car and start moving again. I should never have to stop in an F-Zero game. No, it's... Like, uh, yeah, it just, the only way I was able to do these things is by cheesing it, where I would just keep, uh, like, letting go of the accelerator and pressing it, like, really fast. That was the only way to do some of these turns. In order to and make some of these turns, I would right, just bump into the wall and then move in the opposite direction. Like, use the wall, take a piece of my health off just so I don't have to turn. Nice. It's, I really don't like this game. No, neither did I. Uh, I didn't, I, I, yeah, I can't say that I hated it, um... But it's just so inferior to even the Super Nintendo one 10 years earlier that it truly, there is, I was saying that like F-Zero X, I don't know if I'd return. No, I have returned to F-Zero X over the years. I will not be returning to this shit unless absolutely necessary. Exactly. Uh, there's, there's nothing for me to go back to. It's a tragedy that this is coming to the Game Boy Advance Nintendo Switch Online. The first game, F-Zero game we're going to get after F-Zero 99 is this, and I am terrified what the implication is. Like, oh, this is what they made after F-Zero. I'm like, no, it's not. This is not the, this is not the one to get excited yeah. about. Uh, things, things are different, though. Things, thankfully, go down a different path. Uh, it's about to get very experimental for F-Zero. It is. And then just a lot of nothing. It, yes, this is, uh, that's... Where we're kind of leaving off for right now, uh, for our second half of this discussion, we are going to be touching on probably the weirdest era of F-Zero coming up. Uh, we're going to be touching on, besides the spinoffs and everything, F-Zero GX and AX, the arcade version of GX. Uh, F-Zero GP Legend, the anime, as well as F-Zero GP Legend, the game. F-Zero Climax, the long F-Zero drought, and then finally F-Zero 99. I'm going to figure out what episodes of F-Zero 
uh, GP Legend to watch, as well as where you can find those episodes. A lot of them are unfortunately lost media. So keep our eye, an eye out on State of the Save's social medias, at State of the Save on uh, Twitter and Instagram specifically, for those news updates on what we're going to be uh, discussing anime-wise. But you could probably just figure out, like I can, like what are the important beats. You can read plot synopsises on F-Zero GP Legend. And that's what we'll end up talking about next time. So kind of a downer to leave off on here, but I promise you, uh, we are going to be very high on the next item that we're going to be discussing. Yeah, and, you know, I've been down on F-Zero Maximum Velocity, but I did leave out an important uh, an important detail about Megan. Uh, she is rumored to be a karate expert, and that is her complete bio. That, that's everything in her character bio. Finally some backstory. We, she, Yep. So if you were wondering what Megan's backstory was, I apologize for uh, leaving that out. Um, Thank you. Oh, wait, no, Michael, I'm sorry. We have to talk about this this Jane B. Christie profile, because this is what we hinted at earlier. Uh, hers says, she looks young, but rumor has it she's misrepresenting her age. What is with, there's like multiple character profiles that are about like people misrepresenting their ages. I want to say that was like in the first one too somewhere. It's everywhere. I'm going to be looking out for that in like yeah. uh, GX when we get there. But uh, there was a hundred percent one of the developers was like he never got over like one X of his lying about her fucking age <laughs> and every time he gets to write part of the manual he's just going in his head he's like that fucking bitch and he's just writing like lies fucking their fucking age make make a fool out of me and my fucking ugh. you know just that kind of like aggression that he didn't know how to deal with in a healthy manner uh, but that's fine you know like we all get our weird. Uh, jollies out in our fucking video game instruction manuals we get to write <laughs> uh, Tanner thank you so much for joining me for this part one of the F-Zero retrospective yeah thank you thank you so much for having me getting to talk about F-Zero is genuinely like fantastic I, I love talking about this series I-, I could talk about it for hours in fact we have this is now easily our longest episode we have ever done for Say of the Save I did not anticipate it would be like this but it has Thank you all so much for listening to Stay of the Save. Uh, stay of the Save at gmail.com for emails or thoughts on this game, other games in the series. We will be back with part two at some point. Unlike our game clubs, this doesn't have a timeline because there's so much research, so much games, so much like watching ancillary stuff. So at some point, we are going to reconnect. And I have to catch up on the. Uh... I have to catch up on the Final Fantasy XIV Fall Guys crossover event, which obviously is going to take up a lot of my gaming time. Of course. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I don't know when this is going to uh, fall into place. I have been talking with Eric about possibly coming back for the Christmas episodes. I don't know which is going to come first, the Christmas episodes that we do or... F-Zero, we're just going to have to play it by ear. So, again, keep an eye out on social medias at Stay of the Save on TikTok and Instagram, at Stay of the Save on, uh, sorry, I say TikTok, sorry, Twitter, Instagram for news updates, TikTok for uh, show clips and crazy shenanigans that emerges. Tanner, thank you once again for joining me for part one. Yeah, and uh, all I got to say is if you think this episode is long, just imagine how long it would be if Maximum Velocity was actually good. And we wanted to talk about it. <laughs> exactly. It was a blessing for the listener's ear that maybe maximum velocity wasn't very good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but we're going to talk about some all out banging games next time. And uh, thank you all so much for listening. And as always, stay safe out there. Show me your moves. Yeah.